the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Narrated by Matthew Schmitz. Book One. The Chikai Bardo and the Chonyid Bardo. Herein lieth the setting face to face to the reality in the intermediate state. The great deliverance by hearing while on the after-death plane. From the profound doctrine of the emancipating of the consciousness by meditation upon the peaceful and wrathful deities. The obeisances. To the divine body of truth, the incomprehensible, boundless light. To the divine body of perfect endowment, who are the lotus and the peaceful and the wrathful deities. To the lotus-born incarnation, Padma Sambhava, who is the protector of all sentient beings. To the gurus, the three bodies, obeisance. The introduction. This great doctrine of liberation by hearing, which conferreth spiritual freedom on devotees of ordinary wit, while in the intermediate state, hath three divisions, the preliminaries, the subject matter, and the conclusion. At first, the preliminaries, the guide series, or emancipating beings, should be mastered by practice. The transference of the consciousness principle by the guide, the highest intellects ought most certainly to be liberated. But should they not be liberated, then, while in the intermediate state of the moments of death, they should practice the transference, which giveth automatic liberation by one's merely remembering it. Devotees of ordinary wit ought most certainly to be freed thereby. But should they not be freed, then, while in the intermediate state, during the experiencing of reality, they should preserve in the listening to this great doctrine of liberation by hearing. Accordingly, the devotee should at first examine the symptoms of death as they gradually appear in his dying body, following self-liberation by observing the characteristics of the symptoms of death. Then, when all the symptoms of death are complete, he should apply the transference, which conferreth liberation by merely remembering the process. The reading of this Thoro. If the transference hath been effectually employed, there is no need to read this Thoro. But if the transference hath not been effectually employed, then this Thoro is to be read correctly and distinctly near the dead body. If there be no corpse, then the bed or the seat to which the deceased had been accustomed should be occupied by the reader, who ought to expound the power of the truth. Then, summoning the spirit of the deceased, imagine it to be present there, listening, and read. During this time, no relative or fond mate should be allowed to weep or to wail, as such is not good for the deceased. So, restrain them. If the body be present, just when the expiration hath ceased, either a lama who hath been as a guru to the deceased, or a brother in the faith whom the deceased trusted, 
or a friend for whom the deceased had great affection, putting the lips close to the ear of the body without actually touching it, should read this great total. The practical application of this total by the officiant. Now for the explaining of the total itself. If thou canst gather together a grand offering, offer it in worship of the Trinity. If such cannot be done, then arrange whatever can be gathered together as objects on which thou canst concentrate thy thoughts and mentally create as illimitable an offering as possible and worship. Then the path of good wishes invoking the aid of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas should be recited seven times or thrice. After that, the path of good wishes giving protection from fear in the bardo and the path of good wishes for safe delivery from the dangerous pitfalls of the bardo, it together with the root words of the bardo are to be read distinctly and with the proper intonation. Then this great total is to be read either seven times or thrice according to the occasion. First cometh the setting face to face to the symptoms of death as they occur during the moments of death. Second, the application of the great vivid reminder, the setting face to face to reality while in the intermediate state. And third, the methods of closing the doors of the womb while in the intermediate state when seeking rebirth. Part one, the bardo of the moments of death. Instructions on the symptoms of death or the first stage of the Chikai Bardo, the primary clear light seen at the moment of death. The first, the setting face to face with the clear light during the intermediate state of the moments of death is. Here, some there may be who have listened much to religious instructions yet not recognized and some who, though recognizing, are nevertheless weak in familiarity. But all classes of individuals who have received the practical teachings called guides will, if this be applied to them, be set face to face with the fundamental clear light, and without any intermediate state, they will obtain the unborn Dharmakaya by the great perpendicular path. The manner of application is, it is best if the guru from whom the deceased received guiding instructions can be had, but if the guru cannot be obtained, then a brother of the faith, or if the latter is also unobtainable, then a learned man of the same faith, or should all these be unobtainable, then a person who can read correctly and distinctly ought to read this many times over. Thereby the deceased will be put in mind of what he had previously heard of the setting face to face and will at once come to recognize that fundamental light and undoubtedly obtain liberation. As regards the time for the application of these instructions, when the expiration bath ceased, the vital force will have sunk into the nerve center of wisdom and the knower will be experiencing the clear light of the natural condition. Then the vital force being thrown backwards and flying downwards through the right and left nerves, the intermediate state momentarily dawns. The above directions should be applied 
before the vital force hath rushed into the left nerve, after first having traversed the navel nerve center. The time, ordinarily necessary for this motion of the vital force, is as long as the inspiration is still present, or about the time required for eating a meal. Then the manner of the application of the instructions is. When the breathing is about to cease, it is best if the transference hath been applied efficiently. If the application hath been inefficient, then address the deceased thus. O nobly born, the time hath now come for thee to seek the path in reality. Thy breathing is about to cease. Thy guru hath set thee face to face before with the clear light, and now thou art about to experience it in its reality in the bardo state, wherein all things are like the void and cloudless sky, and the naked, spotless intellect is like unto a transparent vacuum without circumference or center. At this moment know thou thyself, and abide in that state. I too at this time am setting thee face to face. Having read this, repeat it many times in the ear of the person dying, even before the expiration hath ceased, so as to impress it on the mind of the dying one. If the expiration is about to cease, turn the dying one over on the right side, which posture is called the lying posture of a lion. The throbbing of the arteries on the right and left side of the throat is to be pressed. If the person dying be disposed to sleep, or if the sleeping state advances, that should be arrested and the arteries pressed gently but firmly. Thereby the vital force will not be able to return from the median nerve and will be sure to pass out through the Brahmanic aperture. Now the real setting face to face is to be applied. At this moment, the first glimpsing of the bardo of the clear light of reality, which is the infallible mind of the Dharmakaya, is experienced by all sentient beings. The interval between the cessation of the expiration and the cessation of the inspiration is the time during which the vital force remaineth in the median nerve. The common people call this the state wherein the consciousness principle hath fainted away. The duration of this state is uncertain. It dependeth upon the constitution, good or bad, and the state of the nerves and vital force. In those who have had even a little practical experience of the firm, tranquil state of Diana, and in those who have sound nerves, this state continueth for a long time. In the setting face to face, the repetition of the above address to the deceased is to be persisted in until a yellowish liquid beginneth to appear from the various apertures of the bodily organs of the deceased. In those who have led an evil life, and in those of unsound nerves, the above state endureth only so long as it would take to snap a finger. Again, in some, it endureth as long as the time taken for the eating of a meal. In various tantras, it is said that this state of swoon endureth for about three and one-half days. Most other religious treatises say for four days, 
and that this setting face to face with the clear light ought to be persevered in during the whole time. The manner of applying these directions is, if when dying one be by one's own self capable of diagnosing the symptoms of death, use of the knowledge should have been made ere this. If the dying person be unable to do so, then either the guru or a shishya or a brother in the faith with whom the one dying was very intimate should be kept at hand who will vividly impress upon the one dying the symptoms of death as they appear in due order repeatedly saying at first thus now the symptoms of earth sinking into water are come when all the symptoms of death are about to be completed then enjoin upon the one dying this resolution speaking in a low tone of voice in the ear. O nobly born, or if it be a priest, O venerable sir, let not thy mind be distracted. If it be a brother in the faith or some other person, then call him by name and say thus, O nobly born, that which is called death, being come to thee now, resolve thus, Oh, this now is the hour of death. By taking advantage of this death, I will so act for the good of all sentient beings, peopling the illimitable expanse of the heavens, as to obtain the perfect Buddhahood by resolving on love and compassion towards them and by directing my entire effort to the soul perfection. Shaping the thoughts thus, especially at this time when the Dharmakaya of clear light in the state after death can be realized for the benefit of all sentient beings. Know that thou art in that state, and resolve that thou wilt obtain the best boon of the state of the great symbol in which thou art, as follows. Even if I cannot realize it yet, will I know this bardo, and, mastering the great body of union in bardo, will appear in whatever shape will benefit all beings whomsoever. I will serve all sentient beings, infinite in number, as are the limits of the sky. Keeping thyself unseparated from this resolution, thou shouldest try to remember whatever devotional practices thou wert accustomed to perform during thy lifetime. In saying this, the reader shall put his lips close to the ear, and shall repeat it distinctly, clearly impressing it upon the dying person so as to prevent his mind from wandering even for a moment. After the expiration hath completely ceased, press the nerve of sleep firmly, and a lama, or a person higher, or more learned than thyself, impress in these words thus, Reverend Sir, now that thou art experiencing the fundamental clear light, try to abide in that state which now thou art experiencing. And also in the case of any other person, the reader shall set him face to face thus. O nobly born, listen. Now thou art experiencing the radiance of the clear light of pure reality. Recognize it. O nobly born, thy present intellect, in real nature void, not formed into anything as regards to characteristics or color, naturally void, is the very reality. 
the all good. Thine own intellect, which is now voidness, yet not to be regarded as of the voidness of nothingness, but as the being, the intellect itself, unobstructed, shining, thrilling, and blissful, is the very consciousness, the all-good Buddha. Thine own consciousness, not formed into anything, in reality void, and the intellect, shining and blissful, these two are inseparable. The union of them is the Dharmakaya state of perfect enlightenment. Thine own consciousness, shining, void, and inseparable from the great body of radiance, hath no birth nor death, and is the immutable light, Buddha Amitabha. Knowing this is sufficient, recognizing the voidness of thine own intellect to be Buddhahood, and looking upon it as being thine own consciousness, is to keep thyself in the state of the divine mind of the Buddha. Repeat this distinctly and clearly three or even seven times. That will recall to the mind of the dying one, the former, as when living, setting face to face by the Guru. Secondly, it will cause the naked consciousness to be recognized as the clear light. And thirdly, recognizing one's own self thus, one becometh permanently united with the Dharmakaya, and liberation will be certain. Instructions concerning the second stage of the Chikai Bardo, the secondary clear light seen immediately after death. Thus the primary clear light is recognized and liberation attained. But if it be feared that the primary clear light hath not been recognized, then it can certainly be assumed there is dawning upon the deceased that called the secondary clear light, which dawneth in somewhat more than a mealtime period, after that the expiration hath ceased. According to one's good or bad karma, the vital force floweth down into either the right or left nerve and goeth out through any of the apertures of the body. Then come a lucid condition of the mind. To say that the state of the primary clear light endureth for a mealtime period would depend upon the good or bad condition of the nerves, and also whether there hath been previous practice or not in the setting face to face. When the consciousness principle getteth outside the body, it saith to itself, Am I dead, or am I not dead? It cannot determine. It seeth its relatives and connections as it had been used to seeing them before. It even heareth the wailings. The terrifying karmic illusions have not yet dawned, nor have the frightful apparitions or experiences caused by the lords of death yet come. During this interval, the directions are to be applied by the Lama or reader. There are those devotees of the perfected stage of the visualizing stage. If it be one who was in the perfected stage, then call him thrice by name and repeat over and over again the above instructions of setting face to face with the clear light. If it be one who was in the visualizing stage, then read out to him the introductory descriptions and the text of the meditation on his tutelary deity, and then say, O thou of noble birth, 
meditate upon thine own tutelary deity. Here, the deity's name is to be mentioned by the reader. Do not be distracted. Earnestly concentrate thy mind upon thy tutelary deity. Meditate upon him as if he were the reflection of the moon in the water, apparent yet inexistent in itself. Meditate upon him as if he were a being with a physical body. So saying, the reader will impress it. If the deceased be of the common folk, say, Meditate upon the great compassionate Lord. By thus being set face to face, even those who would not be expected to recognize the bardo unaided are undoubtedly certain to recognize it. Persons who while living had been set face to face with the reality by a guru, yet who have not made themselves familiar with it, will not be able to recognize the bardo clearly by themselves. Either a guru or a brother in the faith will have to impress vividly such persons. There may be even those who have made themselves familiar with the teachings, yet who, because of the violence of the disease causing death, may be mentally unable to withstand illusions. For such, also, this instruction is absolutely necessary. Again, there are those who, although previously familiar with the teachings, have become liable to pass into the miserable states of existence, owing to breach of vows or failure to perform essential obligations honestly. To them, this instruction is indispensable. If the first stage of the Bardo path been taken by the forelock, that is best. But if not, by application of this distinct recalling to the deceased, while in the second stage of the Bardo, his intellect is awakened and attaineth liberation. While on the second stage of the Bardo, one's body is of the nature of that called the shining illusory body. Not knowing whether he be dead or not, a state of lucidity cometh to the deceased. If the instructions be successfully applied to the deceased while he is in that state, then, by the meeting of the mother reality and the offspring reality, karma controlleth not. Like the sun's rays, for example, dispelling the darkness, the clear light on the path dispelleth the power of karma. That which is called the second stage of the bardo dawneth upon the thought body. The knower hovereth within those places to which its activities had been limited. If at this time this special teaching be applied efficiently, then the purpose will be fulfilled, for the karmic illusions will not have come yet, and, therefore, he, the deceased, cannot be turned hither and thither from his aim of achieving enlightenment. Part 2 The Bardo of the Experiencing of Reality Introductory instructions concerning the experiencing of reality during the third stage of the Bardo, called the Choinyid Bardo, when the karmic apparitions appear. But even though the primary clear light be not recognized, the clear light of the second bardo being recognized, liberation will be obtained. If not liberated even by that, then that it called the third bardo, or the Chonyid bardo, dawneth. 
In this stage of the bardo, the karmic illusions come to shine. It is very important that this great setting face to face of the Chonyid bardo be read. It hath much power and can do much good. About this time, the deceased can see that the share of food is being set aside, that the body is being stripped of its garments, that the place of the sleeping rug is being swept, can hear all the weeping and wailing of his friends and relatives, and, although he can see them and can hear them calling upon him, they cannot hear him calling upon them, so he goeth away displeased. At that time, sounds, lights, and rays, all three, are experienced. These awe, frighten, and terrify, and cause much fatigue. At this moment, this setting face to face with the bardo during the experiencing of reality is to be applied. Call the deceased by name, and correctly and distinctly explain to him as follows. O nobly born, listen with full attention without being distracted. There are six states of bardo, namely, the natural state of bardo while in the womb, the bardo of the dream state, the bardo of ecstatic equilibrium while in deep meditation, the bardo of the moment of death, the bardo during the experiencing of reality, the bardo of the inverse process of sangsaric existence. These are the six. O nobly born, thou wilt experience three bardos, the bardo of the moment of death, the bardo during the experiencing of reality, and the bardo while seeking rebirth. Of these three, up to yesterday, thou hadst experienced the bardo of the moment of death. Although the clear light of reality dawned upon thee, thou wert unable to hold on, and so thou hast to wander here. Now, henceforth, thou art going to experience the other two, the Chonyid Bardo and the Sidpa Bardo. Thou wilt pay undistracted attention to that with which I am about to set thee face to face, and hold on. O nobly born, that which is called death hath now come. Thou art departing from this world, but thou art not the only one. Death cometh to all. Do not cling in fondness and weakness to this life. Even though thou clingest out of weakness, thou hast not the power to remain here. Thou wilt gain nothing more than wandering in this sangsara. Be not attached to this world. Be not weak. Remember the precious trinity. O nobly born, whatever fear and terror may come to thee in the Chonyid Bardo, forget not these words, and bearing their meaning at heart, go forwards. In them lieth the vital secret of recognition. Alas, when the uncertain experiencing of reality is dawning upon me here, with every thought of fear or terror or awe, for all apparitional appearances set aside, May I recognize whatever visions appear as the reflections of mine own consciousness. May I know them to be of the nature of apparitions in the bardo.
when at this all-important moment of opportunity of achieving a great end, may I not fear the bands of peaceful and wrathful deities, mine own thought forms. Repeat thou these verses clearly, and remembering their significance as thou repeatest them, go forwards, O nobly born. Thereby, whatever visions of awe or terror appear, recognition is certain, and forget not this vital secret art lying therein. O nobly born, when thy body and mind were separating, thou must have experienced a glimpse of the pure truth, subtle, sparkling, bright, dazzling, glorious, and radiantly awesome in appearance like a mirage moving across a landscape in springtime in one continuous stream of vibrations. Be not daunted thereby, nor terrified, nor awed. That is the radiance of thine own true nature. Recognize it. From the midst of that radiance, the natural sound of reality, reverberating like a thousand thunders simultaneously sounding, will come. That is the natural sound of thine own real self. Be not daunted thereby, nor terrified, nor awed. The body which thou hast now is called the thought body of propensities. Since thou hast not a material body of flesh and blood, whatever may come, sounds, lights, or rays, are all three unable to harm thee. Thou art incapable of dying. It is quite sufficient for thee to know that these apparitions are thine own thought forms. Recognize this to be the bardo. O nobly born, if thou dost not now recognize thine own thought forms, whatever of meditation or of devotions thou mayest have performed while in the human world, if thou hast not met with this present teaching, the lights will daunt thee, the sounds will awe thee, and the rays will terrify thee. Shouldst thou know this all-important key to the teachings, not being able to recognize the sounds, lights, and rays, thou wilt have to wander in the sangsara. The dawning of the peaceful deities from the first to the seventh day. Assuming that the deceased is karmically bound, as the average departed one is, to pass through the 49 days of the Bardo existence. Despite the very frequent settings face to face, the daily trials and dangers which he must meet and attempt to triumph over, during the first seven days, wherein dawn the peaceful deities, are next explained to him in detail. The first day, judging from the text, be reckoned from the time in which normally he would be expected to wake up to the fact that he is dead and on the way back to rebirth, or about three and one-half to four days after death. The first day. O nobly born, thou hast been in a swoon during the last three and one-half days. As soon as thou art recovered from this swoon, thou wilt have the thought, What hath happened? Act so that thou wilt recognize the bardo. At that time, all the sangsara will be in revolution, and the phenomenal appearances that thou wilt see then will be the radiances and deities, 
the whole heavens will appear deep blue. Then from the central realm, called the spreading forth of the seed, the Bhagavan Virokana, white in color and seated upon a lion throne, bearing an eight-spoked wheel in his hand, and embraced by the mother of the space of heaven, will manifest himself to thee. It is the aggregate of matter resolved into its primordial state, which is the blue light. The wisdom of the Dharma Detu, blue in color, shining, transparent, glorious, dazzling, from the heart of the Verokana, as the father mother will shoot forth and strike against thee with a light so radiant that thou wilt scarcely be able to look at it. Along with it, there will also shine a dull white light from the Devas, which will strike against thee in thy front. Thereupon, because of the power of bad karma, the glorious blue light of the wisdom of the Dharma Detu will produce in thee fear and terror, and thou wilt wish to flee from it. Thou wilt beget a fondness for the dull white light of the Devas. At this stage, thou must not be awed by the divine blue light which appears shining, dazzling, and glorious, and be not startled by it. That is the light of the Tathagata, called the light of the wisdom of the Dharma Detu. Put thy faith in it, believe in it firmly, and pray unto it, thinking in thy mind that it is the light proceeding from the heart of the Bhagavan Virokana, coming to receive thee while in the dangerous ambuscade of the Bardo. That light is the light of the grace of Verokana. Be not fond of the dull white light of the Devas. Be not attached to it. Be not weak. If thou be attached to it, thou wilt wander into the abodes of the Devas and be drawn into the whirl of the six Lokas. That is an interruption to obstruct thee on the path of liberation. Look not at it. Look at the bright blue light in deep faith. Put thy whole thought earnestly upon Virokana, and repeat after me this prayer. Alas, when wandering in the samsara, because of intense stupidity, on the radiant light path of the Dharma Detu wisdom, May I be led by the Bhagavan Verokana. May the Divine Mother of Infinite Space be my rear guard. May I be led safely across the fearful ambush of the Bardo. May I be placed in the state of the all-perfect Buddhahood. Praying thus, in intense, humble faith, thou wilt merge, in halo of rainbow light, into the heart of Verokana, and obtain Buddhahood in the Samboga Kaya, in the central realm of the densely packed. The second day, but if, notwithstanding, this setting face to face, through power of anger or obscuring karma, one should be startled at the glorious light and flee, or be overcome by illusions, despite the prayer, on the second day, Varha Sattva and his attendant deities as well as one's evil deeds, meriting hell, will come to receive one. Thereupon, the setting face to face is, calling the deceased by name, thus, O nobly born, listen undistractedly. 
On the second day, the pure form of water will shine as a white light. At that time, from the deep blue eastern realm of preeminent happiness, the Bhagavan Akshobhya, as Varhasattva, blue in color, holding in his hand a five-pronged Dorje, seated upon an elephant throne and embraced by the mother Memaki, will appear to thee, attended by the Bodhisattvas Kishitgarbha and Maitreya, with the female Bodhisattvas Lasema and Pushpema. These six Bodhic deities will appear to thee. The aggregate of thy principle of consciousness being in its pure form, which is the mirror-like wisdom, will shine as bright, radiant white light from the heart of Varhasattva, the father-mother, with such dazzling brilliancy and transparency that thou wilt scarcely be able to look at it and will strike against thee. And a dull smoke-colored light from hell will shine alongside the light of the mirror-like wisdom and will also strike against thee. Thereupon, through the power of anger, thou wilt beget fear and be startled at the dazzling white light and wilt wish to flee from it. Thou wilt beget a feeling of fondness for the dull smoke-colored light from hell. Act then, so that thou wilt not fear that bright, dazzling, transparent white light. Know it to be wisdom. Put thy humble and earnest faith in it. That is the light of the grace of the Bhagavan Varhasattva. Think with faith, I will take refuge in it and pray. That is the Bhagavan Varhasattva coming to receive thee and to save thee from fear and terror of the bardo. Believe in it, for it is the hook of the rays of grace of Varhasattva. Be not fond of the dull, smoke-colored light from hell. That is the path which openeth out to receive thee because of the power of accumulated evil karma from violent anger. If thou be attracted by it, thou wilt fall into the hell worlds, and falling therein, thou wilt have to endure unbearable misery, once there is not certain time of getting out. That being an interruption to obstruct thee on the path of liberation, look not at it, and avoid danger. Be not attracted by it, be not weak. Believe in the dazzling bright white light, and putting thy whole heart earnestly upon the Bhagavan Varhasattva, pray thus. Alas, when wandering in the Sangsara, because of the power of violent anger, on the radiant light path of the mirror-like wisdom, may I be led by the Bhagavan Varhasattva. May the Divine Mother, Memaki, be my rear guard. May I be led safely across the fearful ambush of the bardo. And may I be placed in the state of the all-perfect Buddhahood. Praying thus in intense humble faith, thou wilt merge in rainbow light into the heart of the Bhagavan Varhasattva and obtain Buddhahood in the Samboga Kaya in the eastern realm called preeminently happy. The third day. Yet even when set face to face in this way, some persons because of obscurations from bad karma and from pride 
Although the hook of the rays of grace striketh against them, flee from it. If one be one of them, then, on the third day, the Bhagavan Ratna Sambhava and his accompanying deities, along with the light path from the human world, will come to receive one simultaneously. Again, calling the deceased by name, the setting face to face is thus. O nobly born, listen undistractedly. On the third day, the primal form of the element earth will shine forth as a yellow light. At that time, from the southern realm endowed with glory, the Bhagavan Ratna Sambhava, yellow in color bearing a jewel in his hand, seated upon a horse throne and embraced by the Divine Mother Sangye Chanma, will shine upon thee. The two Bodhisattvas, Akasha Bharba and Samanta Bharadra, attended by the two female Bodhisattvas, Malema and Dupima, in all six Bodhic forms, will come to shine from amidst a rainbow halo of light, the aggregate of touch in its primal form, as the yellow light of the wisdom of equality, dazzlingly yellow, glorified with orbs having satellite orbs of radiance, so clear and bright that the eye can scarcely look upon it, will strike against thee. Side by side with it, the dull bluish yellow light from the human world will also strike against thy heart along with the wisdom light. Thereupon, through the power of egotism, thou wilt beget a fear for the dazzling yellow light and wilt wish to flee from it. Thou wilt be fondly attracted towards the dull bluish yellow light from the human world. At that time, do not fear that bright, dazzling yellow transparent light, but know it to be wisdom. In that state, keeping thy mind resigned, trust in it earnestly and humbly. If thou knowest it to be the radiance of thine own intellect, although thou exertest not thy humility and faith and prayer to it, the divine body and light will merge into thee inseparably, and thou wilt obtain Buddhahood. If thou dost not recognize the radiance of thine own intellect, think with faith. It is the radiance of the grace of the Bhagavan Ratna Sambhava. I will take refuge in it and pray. It is the hook of the grace rays of the Bhagavan Ratna Sambhava. Believe in it. Be not fond of that dull bluish yellow light from the human world. That is the path of thine accumulated propensities of violent egotism come to receive thee. If thou art attracted by it, thou wilt be born in the human world and have to suffer birth, age, sickness, and death, and thou wilt have no chance of getting out of the quagmire of worldly existence. That is an interruption to obstruct thy path of liberation. Therefore, look not upon it and abandon egotism, abandon propensities. Be not attracted towards it, be not weak. Act so as to trust in that bright, dazzling light. Put thine earnest thought, one pointedly, upon the Bhagavan Ratna Sambhava, and pray thus. Alas, when wandering in the samsara because of the power of violent egotism, on the radiant light path of the wisdom of equality, May I be led by the Bhagavan Ratna Sambhava. May the Divine Mother, she of the Buddha Eye, be my rear guard. 
May I be led safely across the fearful ambush of the bardo. And may I be placed in the state of the all-perfect Buddhahood. By praying thus, with deep humility and faith, thou wilt merge into the heart of the Bhagavan Ratna Sambhava, the Divine Father-Mother, in halo of rainbow light, and attain Buddhahood in the Sambhogakaya, in the southern realm endowed with glory. The fourth day. By thus being set face to face, however weak the mental faculties may be, there is no doubt of one's gaining liberation. Yet, though so often set face to face, there are classes of men who, having created much bad karma, or having failed in observance of vows, or their lot for higher development being altogether lacking, prove unable to recognize their obscurations and evil karma from covetousness and miserliness produce awe of the sounds and radiances, and they flee. If one be one of these classes, then on the fourth day, the Bhagavan Amiteba and his attendant deities, together with the light path from the Pretaloka, proceeding from miserliness and attachment, will come to receive one simultaneously. Again, the setting face to face is calling the deceased by name, thus. O nobly born, listen undistractedly. On the fourth day, the red light, which is the primal form of the element fire, will shine. At that time, from the red western realm of happiness, the Bhagavan Buddha Amiteba, red in color, bearing a lotus in his hand, seated upon a peacock throne and embraced by the Divine Mother Gokarmo, will shine upon thee. Together with the Bodhisattvas Chenrazi and Jampal, attended by the female Bodhisattvas Gurtima and Elok, the six bodies of enlightenment will shine upon thee from amidst the halo of rainbow light. The primal form of the aggregate of feelings, as the red light of the all-discriminating wisdom, glitteringly red, glorified with orbs and satellite orbs, bright, transparent, glorious and dazzling, proceeding from the heart of the Divine Mother, Amiteba, will strike against thy heart so radiantly that thou wilt scarcely be able to look upon it. Fear it not. Along with it, a dull red light from the Pridaloka, coming side by side with the light of wisdom, will also shine upon thee. Act so that thou shalt not be fond of it. Abandon attachment and weakness for it. At that time, through the influence of intense attachment, thou wilt become terrified by the dazzling red light and wilt wish to flee from it, and thou wilt beget a fondness for that dull red light of the Pritaloka. At that time, be not afraid of the glorious, dazzling, transparent, radiant red light, recognizing it as wisdom Keeping thine intellect in a state of resignation, thou wilt merge into it inseparably and attain Buddhahood. If thou dost not recognize it, think, it is the rays of the grace of the Bhagavan Amiteba, and I will take refuge in it. And, trusting humbly in it, pray unto it. That is the hook rays of the grace of the Bhagavan Amiteba. Trust in it humbly, flee not, even if thou fleest, it will follow thee inseparably from thyself. Fear it not. Be not attracted towards the dull red light of the Pritaloka, 
That is the light path proceeding from the accumulations of thine intense attachment to sangsaric existence, which hath come to receive thee. If thou be attached thereto, thou wilt fall into the world of unhappy spirits and suffer unbearable misery from hunger and thirst. Thou wilt have no chance of gaining liberation therein. That dull red light is an interruption to obstruct thee on the path of liberation. Be not attached to it, and abandon habitual propensities. Be not weak. Trust in the bright dazzling red light. In the Bhagavan Amateba, the Father-Mother, put thy trust one-pointedly and pray thus. Alas, when wandering in the Sangsara because of the power of intense attachment, on the radiant light path of the discriminating wisdom, may I be led by the Bhagavan Amateba. May the Divine Mother, she of white raiment, be my rear guard. May I be safely led across the dangerous ambush of the Bardo, and may I be placed in the state of the all-perfect Buddhahood. By praying thus, humbly and earnestly, thou wilt merge into the heart of the Divine Father-Mother, the Bhagavan Amateba, in halo of rainbow light, and attain Buddhahood in the Sambhogakaya, in the western realm named Happy. The fifth day. It is impossible that one should not be liberated thereby. Yet, though thus set face to face, sentient beings, unable through long association with propensities to abandon propensities, and through bad karma and jealousy, awe and terror being produced by the sounds and radiances, the hook rays of grace failing to catch hold of them, wander down also to the fifth day, if one be such a sentient being, thereupon the Bhagavan Amoga Siddhi, with his attendant deities and the light rays of his grace, will come to receive one. A light proceeding from the Asura Loka, produced by the evil passion of jealousy, will also come to receive one. The setting face to face at that time is, calling the deceased by name, thus, O nobly born, listen undistractedly. On the fifth day, the green light of the primal form of the element air will shine upon thee. At that time, from the green northern realm of successful performance of best actions, the Bhagavan Buddha Amoga Siddhi, green in color, bearing a crossed dorje in hand, seated upon a sky-traversing harpy throne, embraced by the Divine Mother, the faithful Dolma, will shine upon thee with his attendants. The two bodhisattvas, Chagna Dorje and Dibpanamsel, attended by two female bodhisattvas, Ganhema and Nidhema. These six bodhic forms, from amidst the halo of rainbow light, will come to shine. The primal form of the aggregate of volition, shining as the green light of the all-performing wisdom, dazzlingly green, transparent and radiant, glorious and terrifying, Beautified with orbs surrounded by satellite orbs of radiance, issuing from the heart of the Divine Father Mother, Amoga Siddhi, green in color, will strike against thy heart so wondrously bright that thou wilt scarcely be able to look at it. Fear it not, that is the natural power of the wisdom of thine own intellect. Abide in the state of great resignation and impartiality. Along with it, as such, the green light of the all-performing wisdom. A light of dull green color 
from the Asura Loka, produced from the cause of the feeling of jealousy, coming side by side with the wisdom rays, will shine upon thee. Meditate upon it with impartiality, with neither repulsion nor attraction. Be not fond of it. If thou art of low mental capacity, be not fond of it. Thereupon, through the influence of intense jealousy, thou wilt be terrified at the dazzling radiance of the green light, and wilt wish to flee from it, and thou wilt beget a fondness for that dull green light of the Asura Loka. At that time, fear not the glorious and transparent, radiant and dazzling green light, but know it to be wisdom, and in that state allow thine intellect to rest in resignation. Or else think, it is the hook rays of the light of grace of the Bhagavan Amoga Siddhi, which is the all-performing wisdom. Believe thus on it, flee not from it. Even though thou shouldst flee from it, it will follow thee inseparably from thyself. Fear it not, be not fond of that dull green light of the Asura Loka. That is the karmic path of acquired intense jealousy, which hath come to receive thee. If thou art attracted by it, thou wilt fall into the Asura Loka and have to engage in unbearable miseries of quarreling and warfare. That is an interruption to obstruct thy path of liberation. Be not attracted by it. Abandon thy propensities. Be not weak. Trust in the dazzling green radiance and, putting aside thy whole thought one-pointedly upon the Divine Father Mother, the Bhagavan Amoga Siddhi, Pray thus. Alas, when wandering in the samsara because of the power of intense jealousy, on the radiant light path of the all-performing wisdom, may I be led by the Bhagavan Amoga Siddhi. May the Divine Mother, the faithful Tehra, be my rear guard. May I be led safely across the dangerous ambush of the bardo. And may I be placed in the state of the all-perfect Buddhahood. By prayer thus, with intense faith and humility, thou wilt merge into the heart of the Divine Father-Mother, the Bhagavan Amoga Siddhi, in halo of rainbow light, and attain Buddhahood in the Samboga Kaya, in the northern realm of heaped-up good deeds. The Sixth Day Being thus set face to face at various stages, however weak one's karmic connections may be, one should have recognized in one or the other of them, and where one has recognized in any of them, it is impossible not to be liberated. Yet, although set face to face so very often in that manner, one long habituated to strong propensities and lacking in familiarity with, and pure affection for, wisdom, may be led backwards by the power of one's own evil inclinations, despite these many introductions. The hook rays of the light of grace may not be able to catch hold of one. One may still wander downwards because of one's begetting the feeling of awe and terror of the lights and rays. Thereupon, all the divine fathers' mothers of the five orders of Dhyana Buddhas, with their attendants, will come to shine upon one simultaneously. At the same time, the lights proceeding from the six lokas will likewise come to shine upon one simultaneously. The setting face to face for that is, calling the deceased by name, thus, O nobly born, 
Until yesterday, each of the five orders of deities had shone upon thee, one by one, and thou hadst been set face to face. But, owing to the influence of thine evil propensities, thou wert awed and terrified by them, and hast remained here till now. If thou hadst recognized the radiances of the five orders of wisdom to be the emanations from thine own thought-forms, ere this thou wouldst have obtained Buddhahood in the Sambhogakaya, through having been absorbed into the halo of rainbow light in one or another of the five orders of Buddhas. But now look on undistractedly. Now the lights of all five orders, called the lights of the union of four wisdoms, will come to receive thee. Act so as to know them. O nobly born, on this the sixth day, the four colors of the primal states of the four elements, water, earth, fire, air, will shine upon thee simultaneously. At that time, from the central realm of the spreading forth of sea, the Buddha Verokana, the divine father-mother, with the attendant deities will come to shine upon thee. From the eastern realm of preeminent happiness, the Buddha Varhasattva, the divine father-mother, with the attendant deities will come to shine upon thee. From the southern realm, endowed with glory, the Buddha Ratnasambhava, the divine father-mother, with the attendant deities will come to shine upon thee. From the happy western realm of headed-up lotuses, the Buddha Amitabha, the divine father-mother, along with the attendant deities, will come to shine upon thee. From the northern realm of perfected good deeds, the Buddha Amogasiddhi, the Divine Father Mother, along with the attendants, will come amidst a halo of rainbow light to shine upon thee at this very moment. O nobly born, on the outer circle of these five pair of Dhyani Buddhas, the four doorkeepers, the wrathful ones, the victorious one, the destroyer of the Lord of Death, the horse-necked king, the urn of nectar, with the four female doorkeepers, the goad-bearer, the noose-bearer, the chain-bearer, and the bell-bearer, along with the Buddha of the Devas, named the One of Supreme Power, the Buddha of the Asuras, named He of Strong Texture, the Buddha of Mankind, named the Lion of the Shakyas, the Buddha of the Brute Kingdom, named the Unshakable Lion, the Buddha of the Pretas, named the One of Flaming Mouth, and the Buddha of the Lower World, named the King of Truth. These, the eight father-mother doorkeepers, and the six teachers, the victorious ones, will come to shine too. The All-Good Father and the All-Good Mother, the great ancestors of all the Buddhas, Samatha Bhadra and Samanta Bhadre, the Divine Father and the Divine Mother. These two also will come to shine. These forty-two perfectly endowed deities issuing from within thy heart, being the product of thine own pure love, will come to shine. Know them. O nobly born, these realms are not come from somewhere outside thyself. They come from within the four divisions of thy heart, which, including its center, make the five directions. They issue from within there, and whine upon thee. The deities, too, are not come from somewhere else, 
they exist from eternity within the faculties of thine own intellect. Know them to be of that nature. O nobly born, the size of all these deities is not large, not small, but proportionate. They have their ornaments, their colors, their sitting postures, their thrones, and the emblems that each holds. These deities are formed into groups of five pairs, each group of five being surrounded by a fivefold circle of radiances, the male bodhisattvas partaking of the nature of the Divine Fathers, and the female bodhisattvas partaking of the nature of the Divine Mothers. All these divine conclaves will come to shine upon thee in one complete conclave. They are thine own tutelary deities. Know them to be such. O nobly born, from the hearts of the divine fathers and mothers of the five orders, the rays of light of the four wisdoms united, extremely clear and fine, like the rays of the sun spun into threads, will come and shine upon thee and strike against thy heart. On that path of radiance there will come to shine glorious orbs of lights, blue in color, emitting rays, the Dharma Datu, wisdom itself, each appearing like an inverted turquoise cap, surrounded by similar orbs, smaller in size, more glorious with five yet smaller satellite orbs dotted round about with five starry spots of light of the same nature leaving neither the center nor the borders of the blue light path, unglorified by the orbs and the smaller satellite orbs. From the heart of Varhasattva, the white light path of the mirror-like wisdom, white and transparent, glorious and dazzling, glorious and terrifying, made more glorious with orbs surrounded by smaller orbs of transparent and radiant light upon it, each like an inverted mirror will come to shine. From the heart of Ratnasambhava, the yellow light path of the wisdom of equality, glorified with yellow orbs of radiance, each like an inverted gold cup, surrounded by smaller orbs, and these with yet smaller orbs, will come to shine. From the heart of Amateba, the transparent, bright red light path of the discriminating wisdom, upon which are orbs, like inverted coral cups, emitting rays of wisdom, extremely bright and dazzling, each glorified with five satellite orbs of the same nature, leaving neither the center nor the borders of the red light path unglorified, with orbs and smaller satellite orbs, will come to shine. These will come to shine against thy heart simultaneously. O nobly born, all those are the radiances of thine own intellectual faculties come to shine. They have not come from any other place. Be not attracted towards them. Be not weak, be not terrified, but abide in the mood of non-thought formation. In that state, all the forms and radiances will merge into thyself, and Buddhahood will be obtained. The green light path of the wisdom of perfected actions will not shine upon thee, because the wisdom faculty of thine intellect hath not been perfectly developed. O nobly born, those are called the lights of the four wisdoms united. Once proceeds that which is called the inner path through Varhasattva. At that time, thou must remember the teachings of the setting face to face, which thou hast had from thy guru. If thou hast remembered the purport 
of the settings face to face, thou wilt have recognized all these lights which have shone upon thee as being the reflection of thine own inner light, and, having recognized them as intimate friends, thou wilt have believed in them, and have understood them at the meeting, as a son understandeth his mother. And, believing in the unchanging nature of the pure and holy truth, thou wilt have had produced in thee the tranquil flowing samadhi, and, having merged into the body of the perfectly evolved intellect, thou wilt have obtained Buddhahood in the Sambhogakaya. Once there is no return. O nobly born, along with the radiances of wisdom, the impure illusory lights of the six lokas will also come to shine. If it be asked, what are they? They are a dull white light from the devas, a dull green light from the asuras, a dull yellow light from human beings, a dull blue light from the brutes, a dull reddish light from the pritas, and a dull smoke-colored light from hell. These six thus will come to shine, along with the six radiances of wisdom. Whereupon, be not afraid, nor be attracted towards any, but allow thyself to rest in the non-thought condition. If thou art frightened by the pure radiances of wisdom and attracted by the impure lights of the six lokas, then thou wilt assume a body in any of the six lokas and suffer sangsaric miseries, and thou wilt never be emancipated from the ocean of sangsara, wherein thou wilt be whirled round and round and made to taste of the sufferings thereof. O nobly born, if thou art one who hath not obtained the select words of the Guru, thou wilt have fear of the pure radiances of wisdom and of the deities thereof. Being thus frightened, thou wilt be attracted towards the impure sangsaric objects. Act not so. Humbly trust in the dazzling, pure radiances of wisdom. Frame thy mind to faith and think. The compassionate radiances of wisdom of the five orders of Buddhas have come to take hold of me out of compassion. I take refuge in them. Not yielding to attraction towards the illusory lights of the six lokas, but devoting thy whole mind one-pointedly towards the divine fathers and mothers, the Buddhas of the five orders, pray thus. Alas, when wandering in the sangsara through the power of the five virulent poisons, on the bright radiance path of the four wisdoms united, may I be led by the five victorious conquerors, May the five orders of Divine Mothers be my rear guard. May I be rescued from the impure light paths of the six lokas, and, being saved from the ambuscades of the dread bardo, may I be placed within the five pure divine realms. By thus praying, one recognizeth one's own inner light, and, merging one's self therein, in at one mint, Buddhahood is attained. Through humble faith, the ordinary devotee cometh to know himself and obtaineth liberation. Even the most lowly, by the power of the pure prayer, can close the doors of the six lokas, and, in understanding the real meaning of the four wisdoms united, obtain Buddhahood by the hollow pathway through Varhasattva. Thus, by being set face to face in that detailed manner, those who are destined to be liberated will come to recognize the truth. Thereby, many will attain liberation.
the worst of the worst, those of heavy evil karma, having not the least predilection for any religion, and some who have failed in their vows, through the power of karmic illusions not recognizing, although set face to face with truth, will stray downwards. The Seventh Day On the seventh day, the knowledge-holding deities from the holy paradise realms come to receive on. Simultaneously, the pathway to the brute world, produced by the obscuring passion, stupidity, also cometh to receive one. The setting face to face at that time is, calling the deceased by name, thus, O nobly born, listen undistractedly. On the seventh day, the very colored radiance of the purified propensities will come to shine. Simultaneously, the knowledge-holding deities from the holy paradise realms will come to receive one. From the center of the circle, or mandala, enhaloed in radiance of rainbow light, the supreme knowledge-holding deity, the lotus lord of dance, the supreme knowledge-holder, who ripens karmic fruits, radiant with all five colors, embraced by the Divine Mother, the Red Dakini. He, holding a crescent knife and a skull filled with blood, dancing and making the mudra of fascination, with his right hand held aloft, will come to shine. To the east of that circle, the deity called the Earth-abiding Knowledge Holder, white of color, with radiant, smiling countenance, embraced by the White Dakini, the Divine Mother, he holding a crescent knife and a skull filled with blood, dancing and making the mudra of fascination with his right hand held aloft, will come to shine. To the south of that circle, the knowledge-holding deity called he, having power over duration of life, yellow in color, smiling and radiant, embraced by the yellow daikini, the Divine Mother, he holding a crescent knife and a skull filled with blood, dancing and making the mudra of fascination, with his right hand held aloft, will come to shine. To the west of that circle, the knowledge-holding deity of the great symbol, red of color, smiling and radiant, embraced by the red Dakini, the Divine Mother, he holding a crescent knife and a skull filled with blood, dancing and making the mudra of fascination, with his right hand held aloft, will come to shine. To the north of that circle, the deity called Self-Evolved Knowledge Holder, green of color, with a half-angry, half-smiling countenance, embraced by the green Dakini, the Divine Mother, he holding a crescent knife and a skull filled with blood, dancing and making the mudra of fascination with his right hand held aloft, will come to shine. In the outer circle, round about these knowledge holders, innumerable bands of Dakinis, Dakinis of the eight places of cremation, Dakinis of the four classes, Dakinis of the three abodes, Dakinis of the thirty holy places, and of the twenty-four places of pilgrimage, heroes, heroines, celestial warriors, and faith-protecting deities, male and female, each bedecked with the six bone ornaments, having drums and thigh-bone trumpets, skull timbrels, banners of gigantic human-like hides, human-hide canopies, human-hide bannerets, fumes of human fat incense, 
and innumerable other kinds of musical instruments, filling with music the whole world systems and causing them to vibrate, to quake and tremble with sounds so mighty as to daze one's brain, and dancing various measures will come to receive the faithful and punish the unfaithful. O nobly born, five colored radiances of the wisdom of the simultaneously born, which are the purified propensities, vibrating and dazzling like colored threads, flashing, radiant and transparent, glorious and awe-inspiring, will issue from the hearts of the five chief knowledge-holding deities and strike against thy heart, so bright that thy eye cannot bear to look upon them. At the same time, a dull blue light from the brute world will come to shine along with the radiances of wisdom. Then, through the influence of the illusions of thy propensities, thou wilt feel afraid of the radiance of the five colors, and, wishing to flee from it, thou wilt feel attracted towards the dull light from the brute world. Thereupon, be not afraid of that brilliant radiance of five colors, nor terrified, but know the wisdom to be thine own. Within those radiances, the natural sound of the truth will reverberate like a thousand thunders. The sound will come with a rolling reverberation, amidst which will be heard, slay, slay, and awe-inspiring mantras. Fear not, flee not, be not terrified, know them, insomuch as these sounds to be of the intellectual faculties of thine own inner light. Be not attracted towards the dull blue light of the brute world, be not weak. If thou art attracted, thou wilt fall into the brute world, wherein stupidity predominates, and suffer the illimitable miseries of slavery and dumbness and stupidness, and it will be a very long time ere thou canst get out. Be not attracted towards it. Put thy faith in the bright, dazzling, five-colored radiance. Direct thy mind one-pointedly towards the deities, the knowledge-holding conquerors. Think one-pointedly thus. These knowledge-holding deities, the heroes, and the Dakinis, have come from the holy paradise realms to receive me. I supplicate them all, up to this day, although the five orders of the Buddhas of the three times have all exerted the rays of their grace and compassion, yet have I not been rescued by them. Alas, for a being like me, may the knowledge-holding deities not let me go downwards further than this, but hold me with the hook of their compassion and lead me to the holy paradises. Thinking in that manner, one-pointedly, pray thus, O ye knowledge-holding deities, pray, hearken unto me. Lead me on the path out of your great love. When I am wandering in the sangsara because of intensified propensities, on the bright light path of the simultaneously born wisdom, may the bands of heroes, the knowledge-holders, lead me. May the bands of the mothers, the dakinis, be my rear guard. May they save me from the fearful ambuscades of the bardo, and place me in the pure paradise realms. Praying thus, in deep faith and humility, there is no doubt that one will be born within the pure paradise realms, after being merged in rainbow light into the heart of the knowledge-holding deities. 
All the Pandit classes, too, coming to recognize at this stage, obtain liberation. Even those of evil propensities being sure to be liberated here. Here endeth the part of the great Thodol, concerned with the setting face to face of the peaceful deities of the Chonya de Bardo, and the setting face to face of the clear light of the Chikai Bardo. The dawning of the wrathful deities from the 8th to the 14th day. Introduction. Now the manner of the dawning of the wrathful deities is to be shown. In the above bardo of the peaceful deities, there were seven stages of ambuscade. The setting face to face at each stage should have caused the deceased to recognize either at one or another stage and to have been liberated. Multitudes will be liberated by that recognition and although multitudes obtain liberation in that manner, the number of sentient beings being great, evil, karma powerful, obscurations dense, propensities of too long standing, the wheel of ignorance and delusion becometh neither exhausted nor accelerated. Although all be set face to face in such detail, there is a vast preponderance of those who wander downwards unliberated. Therefore, after the cessation of the dawning of the peaceful and knowledge-holding deities who come to welcome one, the fifty-eight flame-enhaloed, wrathful, blood-drinking deities come to dawn, who are only the former peaceful deities in changed aspect according to the place or psychic center of the bardo body of the deceased whence they proceed. Nevertheless, they will not resemble them. This is the bardo of the wrathful deities, and they being influenced by fear, terror, and awe, recognition becometh more difficult. The intellect, gaining not in independence, passeth from one fainting state to a round of fainting states. Yet, if one but recognize a little, it is easier to be liberated at this stage. If it be asked why, the answer is, because of the dawning of the radiances, which produced fear, terror, and awe, the intellect is undistractedly alert in one-pointedness. That is why. If at this stage one does not meet with this kind of teaching, one's hearing of religious lore, although it be like an ocean in its vastness, is of no avail. There are even discipline-holding abbots, or bhikkhus, and doctors in metaphysical discourses who err at this stage, and, not recognizing, wander into the sangsara. As for the common worldly folk, what need is there to mention them? By fleeing through fear, terror, and awe, they fall over the precipices into the unhappy worlds and suffer. But the least of the least of the devotees of the mystic Mantrayana doctrines as soon as he sees these blood-drinking deities will recognize them to be his tutelary deities, and the meeting will be like that of human acquaintances. He will trust them, and becoming merged into them, in at one mint, will obtain Buddhahood. By having meditated on the description of these blood-drinking deities while in the human world, and by having performed some worship or praise of them, or at least by having seen their painted likenesses and their images upon witnessing the dawning of the deities at this stage, recognition of them will result 
and liberation. In this lieth the art. Again, at the death of those disciplined holding abbots and doctors in metaphysical discourses, who remain uninstructed in these bardo teachings, however assiduously they may have devoted themselves to religious practices, and however in the human world, there will not come any phenomenal signs such as rainbow halo at the funeral pyre, nor bone relics from the ashes. This is because when they lived, the mystic or esoteric doctrines were never held within their heart, and because they had spoken contemptuously of them, and because they were never acquainted through initiation with the deities of the mystic or esoteric doctrines. Thus, when these dawn on the bardo, they do not recognize them. Suddenly seeing what they had never seen before, engendered, they pass into the miserable states because of that. Therefore, if the observers of the disciplines and the esoteric doctrines, such signs as the rainbow halo come not, nor are bone relics and seed-like bones ever produced from the bones of their funeral pyre. These are the reasons for it. The least of the least of Montreyanic devotees, who may seem to be of very unrefined manners, unindustrious, untactful, and who may not live in accordance with his vows, and who in every way may be inelegant in his habits, and even unable perhaps to carry the practices of his teachings to a successful issue. Let no one feel disrespect, or nor doubt him, but pay reverence to the esoteric or mystic doctrines which he holdeth. By that alone one obtaineth liberation at this stage. Even though the deeds of one paying such reverence may not have been very elegant while in the human world, at his death there will come at least one kind of sign, such a rainbow radiance, bone images, and bone relics. This is because the esoteric or mystic doctrines possess great gift waves. Those of and above the mystic Montreyanic devotees of ordinary psychic development who have meditated upon the visualization and perfection processes and practiced the essences or essence mantras need not wander down this far on the Chonya de Bardo. As soon as they cease to breathe, they will be led into the pure paradise realms by the heroes and heroines and the knowledge holders. As a sign of this, the sky will be cloudless. They will merge into rainbow radiance. There will be sun showers, sweet scent of incense in the air, music in the skies, radiances, bone relics and images from their funeral pyre. Therefore, to the abbots or discipline holders, to the doctors, and to those mystics who have failed in their vows, and to all the common people, this total is indispensable. But those who have meditated upon the great perfection and the great symbol will recognize the clear light at the moment of death, and obtaining the Dharmakaya, all of them will be such as not to need the reading of this total. By recognizing the clear light at the moment of death, they also will recognize the visions of the peaceful and the wrathful during the Chonya de Bardo, and obtain the Sambhogakaya, or recognizing during the Siddha Bardo, obtain the Nirmana Kaya, and taking birth on the higher planes, will, in the next rebirth, meet with this doctrine and then enjoy the continuity of karma.
Therefore, this total is the doctrine by which Buddhahood may be attained without meditation, the doctrine liberating by the hearing of it alone, the doctrine which leadeth brings of great evil karma on the secret path, the doctrine which produceth differentiation instantaneously between those who are initiated into it and those who are not, being the profound doctrine which conferreth perfect enlightenment instantaneously. Those sentient beings who have been reached by it cannot go to the unhappy states. This doctrine and the total doctrine, when joined together, being like unto a mandala of gold inset with turquoise, combine them. Thus, the indispensable nature of the total being shown, there now cometh the setting face to face with the dawning of the wrathful deities in the bardo. The Eighth Day Again, calling the deceased by name, address him thus. O nobly born, listen undistractedly, not having been able to recognize when the peaceful deities shone upon thee in the bardo above, thou hast come wandering thus far. Now, on the eighth day, the blood-drinking wrathful deities will come to shine. Act so as to recognize them without being distracted. O nobly born, the great glorious Buddha Haruka, dark brown of color, with three heads, six hands, and four feet firmly postured, the right face being white, the left red, the central dark brown, the body emitting flames of radiance, the nine eyes widely opened in terrifying gaze, the eyebrows quivering like lightning, the protruding teeth glistening and set over one another giving vent to sonorous utterances of ah-la-la la, and ha-ha, and piercing whistling sounds. The hair of a reddish-yellow color standing on end and emitting radiance, the heads adorned with dried human skulls and the symbols of the sun and moon, black serpents and raw human heads forming a garland for the body, the first of the right hands holding a wheel the middle one a sword, the last one a battle axe, the first of the left hands a bell, the middle one a skull bowl, the last one a plowshare, his body embraced by the mother Buddha Krotisharima, her right hand clinging to his neck and her left putting to his mouth a red shell filled with blood, making a palatal sound like a crackling and a clashing sound and a rumbling sound as loud as thunder, emanating from the two deities radiant flames of wisdom, blazing from every hair pore of the body, and each containing a flaming dorje. The two deities together thus, standing with one leg bent and the other straight and tense, on a dais supported by horned eagles, will come forth from within thine own brain and shine vividly upon thee. Fear that not, be not awed, know it to be the embodiment of thine own intellect. As it is thine own tutelary deity, be not terrified, be not afraid, for in reality it is the Bhagavan Virakana, the Father-Mother. Simultaneously with the recognition, liberation will be obtained. If they be recognized, merging thyself in at one into the tutelary deity, Buddhahood and the Sambhogakaya, will be one.
the ninth day. But if one flee from them through awe and terror being begotten, then on the ninth day, the blood-drinking deities of the Varha order will come to receive one. Thereupon, the setting face to face is calling the deceased by name, thus, O nobly born, listen undistractedly. He of the blood-drinking Varha order, named the Bhagavan Varha Haruka, dark blue in color, with three faces, six hands, and four feet, firmly postured, in the first right hand holding a dorje, in the middle one a skull bowl, in the last one a battle axe, in the first of the left a bell, in the middle one a skull bowl, in the last one a plowshare, his body embraced by the mother Varha Krotisharima, her right hand clinging to his neck, her left offering to his mouth a red shell filled with blood, will issue from the eastern quarter of thy brain and come to shine upon thee. Fear it not, be not terrified, be not awed. Know it to be the embodiment of thine own intellect. As it is thine own tutelary deity, be not terrified. In reality, they are the Bhagavan Varhasattva, the father and mother. Believe in them, recognizing them, liberation will be obtained at once. By so proclaiming them, knowing them to be tutelary deities, merging in them in at one minute, Buddhahood will be obtained. The Tenth Day Yet if one does not recognize them, the obscurations of evil deeds being too great, and flee from them through terror and awe, then on the tenth day, the blood-drinking deities of the precious gem order will come to receive one. Thereupon the setting face to face is, calling the deceased by name, thus, O nobly born, listen. On the tenth day, the blood-drinking deity of the precious gem order, named Ratnaharuga, yellow of color, having three faces, six hands, four feet firmly postured, the right face white, the left red, the central darkish yellow, enhaloed in flames, in the first of the six hands holding a gem, in the middle one, a trident staff, in the last one, a baton, in the first of the left hands, a bell, in the middle one, a skull bowl, in the last one, a trident staff, his body embraced by the mother, Ratna Krotisharima, her right hand clinging to his neck, her left offering to his mouth a red shell filled with blood, will issue from the southern quarter of thy brain and come to shine upon thee. Fear not, be not terrified, be not awed, know them to be the embodiment of thine own intellect, they being thine own tutelary deities. Be not terrified, in reality, they are the father-mother, Bhagavan Ratna Sambhava. Believe in them. Recognition of them and the obtaining of liberation will be simultaneous. The Eleventh Day Yet, though set face to face thus, if, through power of evil propensities, terror and awe being produced, not recognizing them to be tutelary deities, one flee from them, then, on the eleventh day, the blood-drinking lotus order will come to receive one. Thereupon, the setting face to face is, calling the deceased by name, thus, O no 
nobly born, on the eleventh day, the blood-drinking deity of the Lotus Order, called the Bhagavan Padma Haruka, of reddish-black color, having three faces, six hands, and four feet firmly postured, the right face white, the left blue, the central darkish red, in the first of the right of the six hands holding a lotus, in the middle one, a trident staff, in the last, a club, in the first of the left hands, a bell, in the middle one, a skull bowl filled with blood, in the last, a small drum, his body embraced by the mother Padma Kroteshurima, her right hand clinging to his neck, her left offering to his mouth a red shell filled with blood. The father and mother in union will issue from the western quarter of thy brain and come to shine upon thee. Fear not, be not terrified, be not awed, rejoice. Recognize them to be the product of thine own intellect, as they are thine own tutelary deity. Be not afraid. In reality, they are the father-mother Bhagavan Amitabha. Believe in them. Concomitantly with recognition, liberation will come. Through such acknowledging, recognizing them to be tutelary deities, in at one minute thou wilt merge into them and obtain Buddhahood. The Twelfth Day Despite such setting face to face, being still led backwards by evil propensities, terror, and awe arising, it may be that one recognize not and flee. Thereupon, on the twelfth day, the blood-drinking deities of the karmic order, accompanied by the Karima, Hitamenma, and Wang Chugma, will come to receive one. Not recognizing, terror may be produced. Whereupon the setting face to face is, calling the deceased by name, thus, O nobly born, on the twelfth day, the blood-drinking deity of the karmic order named Karma Herua, dark green of color, having three faces, six hands, and four feet firmly postured, the right face white, the left red, the middle dark green, majestic of appearance, in the first of the right of six hands, holding a sword, in the middle one a trident staff, in the last a club, in the first of the left hands, a bell, in the middle one, a skull bowl, in the last, a plowshare, his body embraced by the mother Karma Krotisharima, her right hand clinging to his neck, the left offering to his mouth a red shell, the father and mother in union, issuing from the northern quarter of thy brain, will come to shine upon thee. Fear that not. Be not terrified, be not awed. Recognize them to be the embodiment of thine own intellect. They being thine own tutelary deity, be not afraid. In reality, they are the father-mother Bhagavan Amoga Siddhi. Believe and be humble and be fond of them. Concomitantly with recognition, liberation will come. Through such acknowledging, Recognizing them to be tutelary deities, in at one minute thou wilt merge into them and obtain Buddhahood. Through the Guru's select teaching, one cometh to recognize them to be the thought forms issuing from one's own intellectual faculties. For instance, a person, upon recognizing a lion skin to be a lion skin, 
is freed from fear, or though it be only a stuffed lion skin, if one do not know it to be so actually, fear ariseth. But upon being told by some person that it is a lion skin only, one is freed from fear. Similarly here, too, when the bands of blood-drinking deities, huge of proportions, with very thick-set limbs, dawn as big as the skies, awes and terror are naturally produced in one, but as soon as the setting face-to-face -face is heard, one recognizeth them to be one's own tutelary deities and one's own thought-forms. Then, when upon the mother clear light, which one had been accustomed to formerly, a secondary clear light, the offspring clear light, coming together like two intimate acquaintances, blend inseparably, and therefrom a self-emancipating radiance dawneth upon one. Through self-enlightenment and self-knowledge one is liberated. The Thirteenth Day If this setting face to face be not obtained, good persons on the path to fall back from here and wander into the samsara. Then the eight wrathful ones, the Karimas, the Hitatmenmas, having various animal heads, issue from within one's own brain and come to shine upon one's self. Thereupon the setting face to face is, calling the deceased by name, thus, O nobly born, listen undistractedly. On the thirteenth day from the eastern quarter of thy brain, the eight Karimas will emanate and come to shine upon thee. Fear that not. From the east of thy brain, the white Karima, holding a human corpse as a club in the right hand, in the left holding a skull bowl filled with blood, will come to shine upon thee. Fear not. From the south, the yellow Tsurima, holding a bow and arrow, ready to shoot. From the west, the red Prahoma, holding a Makara banner. From the north, the black Pitali, holding a Dorje and a blood-filled skull bowl. From the southeast, the red Bukas, holding intestines in the right hand and with the left putting them to her mouth. From the southwest, the dark green Gasmari, the left hand holding a blood-filled skull bowl with the right stirring it with a dorje, and she then drinking it with majestic relish. From the northwest, the yellowish-white Sandal, tearing asunder a head from a corpse, the right hand holding a heart, the left putting the corpse to the mouth, and she then eating thereof. From the northeast, the dark blue Smasha, tearing asunder a head from a corpse and eating thereof. These, the eight Karimas of the abodes, or eight directions, also come to shine upon thee, surrounding the five blood-drinking fathers. Yet be not afraid. O nobly born, from the circle outside of them, the eight Hitamenmas of the eight regions of the brain will come to shine upon thee. From the east, the dark brown lion-headed one, the hands crossed on the breast, and in the mouth holding a corpse and shaking the mane. From the south, the red tiger-headed one, the hands crossed downwards, grinning and showing the fangs and looking on with protruding eyes. From the west, the black fox-headed one, the right hand holding a shaving knife, 
the left holding an intestine, and she eating and licking the blood therefrom. From the north, the dark blue wolf-headed one, the two hands tearing open a corpse and looking on with protruding eyes. From the southeast, the yellowish-white vulture-headed one, bearing a gigantic human-shaped corpse on the shoulder and holding a skeleton in the hand. From the southwest, the dark red cemetery bird-headed one, carrying a gigantic corpse on the shoulder. From the northwest, the black crow-headed one, the left hand holding a skull bowl, the right holding a sword, and she eating heart and lungs. From the northeast, the dark blue owl-headed one, holding a dorje in the right hand and holding a skull bowl in the left and eating. These eight Hitamenmas of the eight regions, likewise surrounding the blood-drinking fathers and issuing from within thy brain, come to shine upon thee. Fear that not, know them to be the thought forms of thine own intellectual faculties. The Fourteenth Day O nobly born, on the fourteenth day, the four female doorkeepers, also issuing from within thine own brain, will come to shine upon thee. Again, recognize. From the east quarter of thy brain will come to shine the white tiger-headed, goad-holding goddess, bearing a blood-filled skull bowl in her left hand. From the south, the yellow sow-headed, noose-holding goddess. From the west, the red lion-headed iron chain-holding goddess, and from the north, the green serpent-headed bell-holding goddess. Thus issue the four female doorkeepers, also from within thine own brain, and come to shine upon thee as tutelary deities recognize them. O nobly born, on the outer circle of these thirty wrathful deities, Harukas, the twenty-eight various-headed mighty goddesses, bearing various weapons, issuing from within thine own brain, will come to shine upon thee. Fear that not. Recognize whatever shineth to be the thought forms of thine own intellectual faculties. At this vitally important time, recollect the select teachings of the Guru. O nobly born, there will dawn from the east the dark brown yak-headed Rakshasa goddess holding a dorje and a skull and the reddish-yellow serpent-headed Brahma goddess holding a lotus in her hand, and the greenish-black leopard-headed great goddess holding a trident in her hand, and the blue monkey-headed goddess of inquisitiveness holding a wheel, and the red snow-bear-headed virgin goddess bearing a short spear in the hand, and the white bear-headed Indra goddess holding an intestine noose in the hand. These, the six yoginis of the east issuing from within the eastern quarter of thine own brain, will come to shine upon thee. Fear that not. O nobly born, from the south will dawn the yellow bat-headed delight goddess, holding a shaving knife in the hand, and the red makara-headed peaceful goddess, holding an urn in the hand, and the red scorpion-headed amrita goddess, holding a lotus in the hand, and the white kite-headed moon goddess, holding a dorje in the hand, and the dark green fox-headed baton goddess, flourishing a club in the hand, and the yellowish-black tiger-headed rakshasi 
holding a blood-filled skull bowl in the hand. These, the six yoginis of the south, issuing from within the southern quarter of thine own brain, will come to shine upon thee. Fear that not. O nobly born, from the west will dawn the greenish-black vulture-headed eater goddess, holding a baton in the hand, and the red, horse-headed delight goddess, holding a huge trunk of a corpse, and the white eagle-headed mighty goddess, holding a club in the hand, and the yellow dog-headed Rakshasi, holding a dorje in the hand, and a shaving knife, and cutting with this, and the red hoopoo-headed desire goddess, holding a bow and arrow in the hand aimed, and the green stag-headed wealth guardian goddess, holding an urn in the hand, these, the six yoginis of the west, issuing from within the western quarter of thine own brain, will come to shine upon thee. Fear that not. O nobly born, from the north will dawn the blue wolf-headed wind goddess, waving a pennant in the hand, and the red ibex-headed woman goddess, holding a pointed stake in the hand, and the black sow-headed sow goddess, holding a noose of fangs in the hand, and the red crow-headed thunderbolt goddess, holding an infant corpse in the hand, and the greenish-black elephant-headed big-nosed goddess, holding in the hand a big corpse and drinking blood from a skull, and the blue serpent-headed water goddess, holding in the hand a serpent noose. These, the six yoginis of the north, issuing from within the northern quarter of thine own brain, will come to shine upon thee. Fear that not. O nobly born, the four yoginis of the door, issuing from within the brain, will come to shine upon thee. From the east, the black cuckoo-headed mystic goddess, holding an iron hook in the hand. From the south, the yellow goat-headed mystic goddess, holding a noose in the hand. From the west, the red lion-headed mystic goddess, holding an iron chain in the hand. And from the north, the greenish-black, serpent-headed mystic goddess. These, the four door-keeping yoginis, issuing from within the brain, will come to shine upon thee. Since these twenty-eight mighty goddesses emanate from the bodily powers of Ratna Sambhava, he of the six Haruka deities recognized them. O nobly born, the peaceful deities emanate from the voidness of the Dharmakaya. Recognize them. From the radiance of the Dharmakaya emanate the wrathful deities. Recognize them. At this time, when the fifty-eight blood-drinking deities emanating from thine own brain come to shine upon thee, if thou knowest them to be the radiances of thine own intellect, thou wilt merge in the state of at-one-ment into the body of the blood-drinking ones, there and then, and obtain Buddhahood. O nobly born, by not recognizing now, and by fleeing from the deities out of fear, again sufferings will come to overpower thee. If this be not known, fear being begotten of the blood-drinking deities, one is awed and terrified, and fainteth away. One's own thought-forms turn into illusory appearances, and one wandereth into the samsara. If one be not awed and terrified, one will not wander into the samsara.
Furthermore, the bodies of the largest of the peaceful and wrathful deities are equal in vastness to the limits of the heavens, the intermediate as big as Mount Meru, the smallest equal to eighteen bodies such as thine own body set one upon another. Be not terrified at that, be not awed. If all existing phenomena shining forth as divine shapes and radiances be recognized to be the emanations of one's own intellect, Buddhahood will be obtained at that very instant of recognition. The saying, Buddhahood, will be obtained in a moment of time, is that which applieth now. Bearing this in mind, one will obtain Buddhahood by merging in at one mint into radiances and the kayas. O nobly born, whatever fearful and terrifying visions thou mayest see, recognize them to be thine own thought forms. O nobly born, if thou recognize not and be frightened, then all the peaceful deities will shine forth in the shape of Mahakala, and the wrathful deities will shine forth in the form of Dharma Raja, the Lord of Death, and thine own thought forms becoming illusions, or Maras, thou wilt wander into the Sangsara. O nobly born, if one recognize not one's own thought forms, however learned one may be in the scriptures, both sutras and tantras, although practicing religion for a kalpa, one obtaineth not Buddhahood. If one recognize one's own thought forms by one important art and by one word, Buddhahood is obtained. If one's thought forms be not recognized as soon as one dieth, the shapes of Dharma Raja, the Lord of Death, will shine forth on the Chonyad Bardo. The largest of the bodies of the Dharma Raja, the Lord of Death, equaling the heavens in vastness, the intermediate Mount Maru, the smallest eighteen times one's own body, will come filling the world systems. They will come having their upper teeth biting the nether lip, their eyes glassy, their hairs tied up on the top of the head, big-bellied, narrow-waisted, holding a karmic record board in the hand, giving utterance from their mouth to sounds of strike, slay, licking human brain, drinking blood, tearing heads from corpses, tearing out the hearts. Thus will they come, filling the worlds. O nobly born, when such thought forms emanate, be thou not afraid, nor terrified. The body which now thou possessest, being a mental body of karmic propensities, though slain and chopped to bits, cannot die. Because thy body is, in reality, one of voidness, thou needest not fear. The bodies of the Lord of Death, too, are emanations from the radiances of thine own intellect. They are not constituted of matter. Voidness cannot injure voidness. Beyond the emanations of thine own intellectual faculties, externally, the peaceful and the wrathful ones, the blood-drinking ones, the various-headed ones, the rainbow lights, the terrifying forms of the Lord of Death, exist not in reality. Of this there is no doubt. Thus, knowing this, all the fear and terror is self-dissipated, and merging into the state of at-one-ment, Buddhahood is obtained. If thou recognizest in that manner, exerting thy faith and affection towards the tutelary deities and believing that they have come to receive thee amidst the ambuscades of the bardo, think, 
I take refuge in them, and remember the precious Trinity, exerting towards them the Trinity fondness and faith. Whosoever thine own tutelary deity may be, recollect now, and calling him by name, pray thus. Alas, wandering am I in the bardo, run to my rescue. Uphold me by thy grace, O precious tutelary, calling upon the name of thine own guru, pray thus. Alas, wandering am I in the bardo, rescue me, O that not thy grace forsake me. Have faith in the blood-drinking deities too, and offer up this prayer. Alas, when I am wandering in the sangsara, through force of overpowering illusions, on the light path of the abandonment of fright, fear, and awe, may the bands of the Bhagavans, the peaceful and wrathful ones, lead me. May the bands of the wrathful goddess, rich in space, be my rearguard, and save me from the fearful ambuscades of the bardo, and place me in the state of the perfectly enlightened Buddhas. When wandering alone, separated from dear friends, when the void forms of one's own thoughts are shining here, may the Buddhas, exerting the force of their grace, cause not to come the fear, awe, and terror in the bardo. When the five bright wisdom lights are shining here, may recognition come without dread and without awe. When the divine bodies of the peaceful and the wrathful are shining here, may the assurance of fearlessness be obtained and the bardo be recognized. When, by the power of evil karma, misery is being tasted, may the tutelary deities dissipate the misery. When the natural sound of reality is reverberating like a thousand thunders, may they be transmuted into the sounds of the six syllables. When unprotected, karma having to be followed here, I beseech the gracious compassionate one to protect me. When suffering miseries of karmic propensities here, May the blissfulness of the clear light dawn. May the five elements not rise up as enemies, but may I behold the realms of the five orders of the enlightened ones. Thus, in earnest faith and humility, offer up the prayer, whereby all fears will vanish and Buddhahood in the Samboga Kaya will undoubtedly be one. Important is this. Being undistracted, repeat it in that manner three of even seven times. However heavy the evil karma may be, and however weak the remaining karma may be, it is not possible that liberation will not be obtained, if one but recognize. If, nevertheless, despite everything done in these stages of the bardo, recognition is still not brought about, then, there being danger of one's wandering further into the third bardo, called the Siddha bardo, the setting face to face for that will be shown in detail here and after. The Conclusion Showing the Fundamental Importance of the Bardo Teachings Whatever the religious practices of anyone may have been, whether extensive or limited, during the moments of death various misleading illusions occur, and hence this total is indispensable. To those who have meditated much, the real truth dawneth as soon as the body and consciousness principle part. The acquiring of experience while living is important. They who have then recognized the true nature of their own being, and thus have had some experience, obtain great power during the bardo of the moments of death.
when the clear light dawneth. Again, the meditation on the deities of the mystic path of the mantra, both in the visualizing and the perfecting stages while living, will be of great influence when the peaceful and wrathful visions dawn on the Chonyid bardo. Thus the training in this bardo, being of particular importance, even while living, hold to it, read it, commit it to memory, bear it in mind properly, read it regularly, thrice, let the words and the meanings be very clear. It should be so that the words and the meanings will not be forgotten, even though a hundred executioners were pursuing thee. It is called the great liberation by hearing, because even those who have committed the five boundless sins are sure to be liberated if they hear it by the path of the ear. Therefore, read it in the midst of vast congregations. Disseminate it through having heard it once, even though one does not comprehend it, it will be remembered in the intermediate state without a word being omitted, for the intellect becometh ninefold more lucid there. Hence it should be proclaimed in the ears of all living person. It should be read over the pillows of all persons who are ill. It should be read at the side of all corpses. It should be spread broadcast. Those who meet with this doctrine are indeed fortunate, save for them who have accumulated much merit and absolved many obscurations. Difficult is it to meet with it. Even when met with it, difficult is it to comprehend it. Liberation will be won through simply not disbelieving it upon hearing it. Therefore, treat this doctrine very dearly. It is the essence of all doctrines. The setting face to face while experiencing reality in the intermediate state called the teaching which liberateth by merely being heard and that which liberateth by merely being attached is finished. Book 2 The Sidpa Bardo This is known as the good head part of that called the profound essence of the liberation by hearing. The reminder the clear setting face to face in the intermediate state when seeking rebirth. The obeisances to the assembled deities, to the tutelaries, to the gurus, humbly is the obeisance paid. May liberation in the intermediate state be vouchsifed by them. Introductory verses above in the great Bardo Toro, the Bardo called Chonyid was taught, and now of the bardo called Sidpa, the vivid reminder is brought. Part 1. The After-Death World Introductory Instructions to the Officiant Although heretofore, while in the Chonyid bardo, many vivid remindings have been given, setting aside those who have had great familiarity with the real truth and those who have good karma, for them of evil karma, who have no familiarity, and for them of evil karma, who because of the influence thereof become stricken with fear and terror, recognition is difficult. These go down to the fourteenth day, and to re-impress them vividly, that which follows is to be read. The Bardo body, its birth, and its supernormal faculties. Worship having been offered to the Trinity, 
and the prayer invoking the aid of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas having been recited. Then, calling the deceased by name three or seven times, speak thus. O nobly born, listen thou well, and bear at heart that birth in the hell world, in the deva world, and in this bardo body is of the kind called supernormal birth. Indeed, when thou wert experiencing the radiances of the peaceful and the wrathful in the chonyat bardo, being unable to recognize, thou didst faint away through fear about three and one-half days after thy decease. And then, when thou wert recovered from the swoon, thy knower must have risen up in its primordial condition, and a radiant body, resembling the former body, must have sprung forth, as the Tantra says. Having a body seemingly fleshly resembling the former and that to be produced, endowed with all sense faculties and power of unimpeded motion, possessing karmic, miraculous powers, visible to pure celestial eyes of bardo beings of like nature. Such, then, is the teaching. That radiant body, thus referred to as resembling the former and that to be produced, meaning that one will have a body just like the body of flesh and blood, the former human propensity body, will also be endowed with certain signs and beauties of perfection, such as beings of high density possess. This body, born of desire, is a thought-form hallucination in the intermediate state, and it is called desire body. At that time, if thou art to be born as a deva, visions of the deva world will appear to thee. Similarly, wherever thou art to be born, if as an asura, or a human being, or a brute, or a preta, or a being in hell, a vision of the place will appear to thee. Accordingly, the word former in the quotation implieth that prior to the three and one-half days thou wilt have been thinking thou hadst the same sort of a body as the former body of flesh and blood, possessed by thee in the former existence because of habitual propensities. And the word produced is so used because afterwards the vision of thy future place of birth will appear to thee. Hence, the expression as a whole, former and that to be produced, referreth to these insomuch as the fleshly body just discarded and the fleshly body to be assumed at rebirth. At that time, follow not the visions which appear to thee, be not attracted, be not weak. If through weakness thou be fond of them, thou wilt have to wander amidst the six lokas and suffer pain. Up to the other day thou wert unable to recognize the Chonyid Bardo, and hast had to wander down this far. Now, if thou art to hold fast to the real truth, thou must allow thy mind to rest undistractedly in the nothing-to-do, nothing-to-hold condition of the unobscured, primordial, bright, void state of thine intellect, to which thou hast been introduced by the Guru. Thereby thou wilt obtain 
liberation without having to enter the door of the womb. But if thou art unable to know thyself, then whosoever may be thy tutelary deity and thy guru, meditate on them in a state of intense fondness and humble trust, as overshadowing the crown of thy head. This is of great importance. Be not distracted. Instructions to the Officiant Thus speak, and, if recognition result from that, liberation will be obtained without need of the wandering in the six lokas. If, however, through influence of bad karma, recognition is made difficult, thereupon say as follows, O nobly born, again listen, endowed with all sense faculties and power of unimpeded motion, implieth that although thou mayest have been, when living, blind of the eye, or deaf, or lame, yet on this after-death plane thine eyes will see forms, and thine ears will hear sounds, and all other sense organs of thine will be unimpaired, and very keen, and complete. Wherefore the bardo body hath been spoken of as endowed with all sense faculties, that condition of existence in which thou thyself now art, is an indication that thou art deceased and wandering in the bardo. Act so as to know this. Remember the teachings. Remember the teachings. O nobly born, unimpeded motion implieth that thy present body being a desire body, thine intellect having been separated from its seat, is not a body of gross matter, so that now thou hast the power to go right through any rock masses, hills, boulders, earth, houses, and Mount Meru itself without being impeded. Accepting Budgaya and the mother's womb, even the king of mountains, Mount Meru itself, can be passed through by thee, straightforwards and backwards, unimpededly. That too is an indication that thou art wandering in the Siddha Bardo. Remember thy guru's teachings and pray to the compassionate Lord. O nobly born, thou art actually endowed with the power of miraculous action, which is not, however, the fruit of any samadhi, but a power come to thee naturally, and therefore it is of the nature of karmic power. Thou art able, in a moment, to traverse the four continents round about Mount Meru, or thou canst instantaneously arrive in whatever place thou wishest. Thou hast the power of reaching there within the time which a man taketh to bend, or to stretch forth his hand. These various powers of illusion and of shape-shifting desire not, desire not. None is there of such powers which thou mayest desire, which thou canst not exhibit. The ability to exercise them unimpededly existeth in thee now. Know this, and pray to the Guru. O nobly born, visible to pure celestial eyes of like nature, implieth that those beings of like nature, being those of similar constitution, or level of knowledge in the intermediate state, will individually see each other. For example, those beings who are destined to be born amongst devas will see each other and so on. Dote not on them seen by thee, but
but meditate upon the Compassionate One. Visible to pure celestial eyes also implieth that the Devas being born pure in virtue of merit are visible to the pure celestial eyes of those who practice Dhyana. These will not see them at all times. When mentally concentrated upon them, they see them. When not, they see them not. Sometimes, even when practicing Dhyana, they are liable to become distracted and not see them. Characteristics of Existence in the Intermediate State O nobly born, the possessor of that sort of body will see places familiarly known on the earth plane and relatives there as one seeth another in dreams. Thou seest thy relatives and connections and speakest to them, but receivest no reply. Then, seeing them and thy family weeping, thou thinkest, I am dead, what shall I do? And feelest great misery, just like a fish cast out of water on red-hot embers. Such misery thou wilt be experiencing at present, but feeling miserable will avail thee nothing now. If thou hast a divine guru, pray to him, pray to the tutelary deity, the compassionate one, even though thou feelest attachment for thy relatives and connections, it will do thee no good. So be not attached. Pray to the compassionate Lord. Thou shalt have naught or sorrow, or of terror, or of awe. O nobly born, when thou art driven hither and thither by the ever-moving wind of karma, thine intellect, having no object upon which to rest, will be like a feather tossed about by the wind, riding on the horse of breath. Ceaselessly and involuntarily wilt thou be wandering about. To all those who are weeping, thou wilt say, Here I am, weep not. But they, not hearing thee, thou wilt think, I am dead. And again, at that time, thou wilt be feeling very miserable. Be not miserable in that way. There will be a gray twilight-like light, both by night and by day, and at all times. In that kind of intermediate state, thou wilt be either for one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven weeks until the forty-ninth day. It hath been said that ordinarily the miseries of the Sidpa Bardo are experienced for about twenty-two days, but because of the determining influence of karma, a fixed period is not assured. O nobly born, at about that time, the fierce wind of karma, terrific and hard to endure, will drive thee onwards from behind in dreadful gusts. Fear it not, that is thine own illusion. Thick, awesome darkness will appear in front of thee continually, from the midst of which there will come such terror-producing utterances as strike, slay, and similar threats. Fear these not. In other cases of persons of much evil karma, karmically produced flesh-eating rakshasas, or demons, bearing various weapons will utter, strike, slay, and so on, making a frightful tumult. They will come upon one as if competing amongst themselves as to which of them should get a hold of one. Apparitional illusions too, of being pursued by various terrible beasts of prey, will dawn.
Snow, rain, darkness, fierce blasts of wind and hallucinations of being pursued by many people likewise will come, and sounds as of mountains crumbling down and of angry, overflowing seas and of the roaring of fire and of fierce winds springing up. When these sounds come, one, being terrified by them, will flee before them in every direction, not caring whither one fleeth, but the way will be obstructed by three awful precipices, white and black and red. They will be terror-inspiring and deep, and one will feel as if one were about to fall down them. O oh, nobly born, they are not really precipices. They are anger, lust, and stupidity. Know at that time that it is the Sidpa Bardo in which thou art. Invoking by name the Compassionate One, pray earnestly thus, O Compassionate Lord and my Guru, and the precious Trinity, suffer it not that I fall into the unhappy worlds. Act so as to forget this not. Others who have accumulated merit and devoted themselves sincerely to religion will experience various delightful pleasures and happiness and ease in full measure. But that class of neutral beings who have neither earned merit nor created bad karma will experience neither pleasure nor pain but a sort of colorless stupidity of indifference. O nobly born, whatever cometh in that manner, whatever delightful pleasures thou mayest experience, be not attracted by them, dote not on them. Think, may the Guru and the Trinity be worshipped with these merit-given delights. Abandon all dotings and hankerings. Even though thou dost not experience pleasure or pain, but only indifference. Keep thine intellect in the undistracted state of the meditation upon the great symbol without thinking that thou art meditating. This is of vast importance. O nobly born, at that time, at bridgeheads, in temples, by stupas of eight kinds, thou wilt rest a little while, but thou wilt not be able to remain there very long. For thine intellect hath been separated from thine earth plane body. Because of this inability to loiter, thou oft times wilt feel perturbed and vexed and panic stricken. At times thy knower will be dim, at times fleeting and incoherent. Thereupon this thought will occur to thee Alas, I am dead, what shall I do? And because of such thoughts the knower will become saddened and the heart chilled, and thou wilt experience infinite misery of sorrow, since thou canst not rest in any one place and feel impelled to go on. Think not of various things, but allow the intellect to abide in its own unmodified state. As to food, only that which hath been dedicated to thee can be partaken of by thee, and no other food. As to friends at this time, there will be no certainty. These are the instructions of the wandering about on the Sipabardo of the mental body. At the time, happiness and misery will depend upon karma. Thou wilt see thine own home, the attendants, relatives, and the corpse, and think, Now I am dead, what shall I do?
and being oppressed with intense sorrow, the thought will occur to thee, O oh, what would I not give to possess a body? And so thinking, thou wilt be wandering hither and thither, seeking a body. Even though thou couldst enter thy body nine times over, owing it to the long interval which thou hast passed in the Chonid Bardo, it will have been frozen if in winter, been decomposed if in summer, or otherwise thy relatives will have cremated it, or interred it, or thrown it into the water, or given it to the birds and beasts of prey. Wherefore, finding no place for thyself to enter into, thou wilt be dissatisfied, and have the sensation of being squeezed into cracks and crevices amidst rocks and boulders. The experiencing of this sort of misery occurs in the intermediate state, when seeking rebirth. Even though thou seekest a body, thou wilt gain nothing but trouble. Put aside the desire for a body, and permit thy mind to abide in the state of resignation, and act so as to abide therein. By thus being set face to face, one obtaineth liberation from the bardo. The Judgment Instructions to the Officiant Yet again, it may be possible that because of the influence of bad karma, one will not recognize even thus. Therefore, call the deceased by name and speak as follows. O nobly born, listen, that thou art suffering, so cometh from thine own karma. It is not due to anyone else's, it is by thine own karma. Accordingly, pray earnestly to the precious trinity, that will protect thee. If thou neither prayest nor knowest how to meditate upon the great symbol, nor upon any tutelary deity, the good genius who was born simultaneously with thee will come now and count out thy good deeds with white pebbles, and the evil genius who was born simultaneously with thee will come and count out thy evil deeds with black pebbles. Thereupon thou wilt be greatly frightened, awed and terrified, and wilt tremble, and thou wilt attempt to tell lies, saying, I have not committed any evil deed. Then the Lord of Death will say, I will consult the mirror of karma. So saying, he will look in the mirror, wherein every good and evil act is vividly reflected. Lying will be of no avail. Then, when one of the executive furies of the Lord of Death will place around thy neck a rope and drag thee along, he will cut off thy head, extract thy heart, pull out thy intestines, lick up thy brain, drink thy blood, eat thy flesh, and gnaw thy bones. But thou wilt be incapable of dying. Although the body be hacked to pieces, it will revive again. The repeated hacking will cause intense pain and torture. Even at the time that the pebbles are being counted out, be not frightened nor terrified. Tell no lies and fear not the Lord of Death. Thy body, being a mental body, is incapable of dying, even though beheaded and quartered. In reality, thy body is of the nature of voidness. Thou needst not be afraid. The lords of death are thine own hallucinations. Thy desire body is a body of propensities and void. Voidness cannot injure voidness. The qualityless 
cannot injure the qualityless. Apart from one's own hallucinations, in reality, there are no such things existing outside of oneself as Lord of Death, or God, or Demon, or the bullheaded spirit of death. Act so as to recognize this. At this time, act so as to recognize that thou art in the Bardo. Meditate upon the Samadhi of the Great Symbol. If thou dost not know how to meditate, then merely analyze with care the real nature of that which is frightening thee. In reality, it is not formed into anything, but is a voidness, which is the Dharmakaya. That voidness is not of the nature of the voidness of nothingness, but a voidness at the true nature of which thou feelest awed, and before which thine intellect shineth clearly and more lucidly. That is the state of mind of the Sambhogakaya. In that state wherein thou art existing, there is being experienced by thee an unbearable intensity, voidness and brightness inseparable. The voidness bright by nature, and the brightness by nature void, and the brightness inseparable from the voidness, a state of the primordial or unmodified intellect, which is the Adikaya, and the power of this, shining unobstructedly, will radiate everywhere. It is the Nirmanakaya. O nobly born, listen unto me undistractedly. By merely recognizing the four Kayas, thou art certain to obtain perfect emancipation in any of them. Be not distracted. The line of demarcation between Buddhas and sentient beings lieth herein. This moment is one of great importance. If thou shouldst be distracted now, it will require innumerable aeons of time for thee to come out of the quagmire of misery. A saying, the truth of which is applicable, is, in a moment of time, a marked differentiation is created. In a moment of time, perfect enlightenment is obtained. Till the moment which hath just passed, all this bardo hath been dawning upon thee, and yet thou hast not recognized, because of being distracted. On this account thou hast experienced all the fear and terror. Shouldst thou become distracted now, the cords of divine compassion of the compassionate eyes will break, and thou wilt go into the place from which there is no immediate liberation. Therefore, be careful. Even though thou hast not recognized ere this, despite thus being set face to face, thou wilt recognize and obtain liberation here. Instructions to the officiant. If it be an illiterate boor, who knoweth not how to meditate, then say this, O nobly born, if thou knowest not how thus to meditate, act so as to remember the compassionate one, and the sangha, the Dharma and the Buddha, and pray. Think of all these fears and terrifying apparitions as being thine own tutelary deity, or as the compassionate one. Bring to thy recollection the mystic name that hath been given thee at the time of thy sacred initiation, when thou wert a human being, and the name of thy guru, and tell them to the righteous king of the lords of death, even though thou fallest down precipices, thou wilt not be hurt. 
avoid, awe, and terror. The all-determining influence of thought. Instructions to the officiant. Say that, for by such setting face to face, despite the previous non-liberation, liberation ought surely to be obtained here. Possible, however, liberation may not be obtained even after that setting face to face, an earnest and continued application being essential, again calling the deceased by name, speak as follows. O nobly born, thy immediate experiences will be of momentary joys, followed by momentary sorrows of great intensity, like the taut and relaxed mechanical actions of catapults. Be not in the least attached to the joys, nor displeased by the sorrows of that. If thou art to be born on a higher plane, the vision of that higher plane will be dawning upon thee. Thy living relatives may, by way of dedication for the benefit of the deceased, be sacrificing many animals and performing religious ceremonies and giving alms. Thou, because of thy vision not being purified, mayest be inclined to grow very angry at their actions and bring about, at this moment, thy birth in hell. Whatever those left behind thee may be doing, act thou so that no angry thought can arise in thee and meditate upon love for them. Furthermore, even if thou feelest attached to the worldly goods thou hast left behind, or because of seeing such worldly goods of thine in the possession of other people and being enjoyed by them, thou shouldst feel attached to them through weakness, or feel angry with thy successors. That feeling will affect the psychological moment in such a way that even though thou wert destined to be born on higher and happier planes, thou wilt be obliged to be born in hell, or in the world of Pratas, or unhappy ghosts. On the other hand, even if thou art attached to worldly goods left behind, thou wilt not be able to possess them, and they will be of no use to thee. Therefore abandon weakness and attachment for them, cast them away wholly, renounce them from thy heart, no matter who may be enjoying thy worldly goods, have no feeling of miserliness, but be prepared to renounce them willingly. Think that thou art offering them to the precious trinity and to thy guru, and abide in the feeling of unattachment, devoid of weakness, of desire. Again, when any recitation of the Kamkani mantra is being made on thy behalf as a funeral rite, or when any rite for the absolving of bad karma liable to bring about thy birth in lower regions is being performed for thee, the sight there being conducted in an incorrect way, mixed up with sleep and distraction and non-observance of the vows and the lack of purity on part of any officiant and such things indicating levity, all of which thou wilt be able to see because thou art endowed with limited karmic power of prescience. Thou mayest feel lack of faith and entire disbelief in thy religion. Thou wilt be able to apprehend any fear and fright, any black actions, irreligious conduct, and incorrectly recited rituals. In thy mind thou mayest think, 
Alas, thy are indeed playing me false. Thinking thus, thou wilt be extremely depressed, and, through great resentment, thou wilt acquire disbelief and loss of faith, instead of affection and humble trustfulness. This affecting the psychological moment, thou wilt be certain to be born in one of the miserable states. Such thought will not only be of no use to thee, but will do thee great harm. However incorrect, the ritual and improper the conduct of the priests performing thy funeral rites, think, what, mine own thoughts must be impure. How can it be possible that the words of the Buddha should be incorrect? It is like the reflection of the blemishes on mine own face which I see in a mirror. Mine own thoughts must indeed be impure. As for these, such as the priests, the Sangha is their body, the Dharma their utterance, and in their mind they are the Buddha in reality. I will take refuge in them. Thus thinking, put thy trust in them and exercise sincere love towards them. Then whatever is done for thee by those left behind will truly tend to thy benefit. Therefore, the exercise of that love is of much importance. Do not forget this. Again, even if thou wert to be born in one of the miserable states, and the light of that miserable state shone upon thee, yet by thy successors and relatives performing white religious rites unmixed with evil actions, and the abbots and learned priests devoting themselves, body, speech, and mind, to the performance of the correct meritorious rituals, the delight from thy feeling greatly cheered at seeing them will, by its own virtue, so affect the psychological moment that even though thou deservest a birth in the unhappy states, there will be brought about thy birth on a higher and happier plane. Therefore, thou shouldst not create impious thoughts, but exercise pure affection and humble faith towards all impartiality. This is highly important. Hence, be extremely careful. O nobly born, to sum up, thy present intellect in the intermediate state, having no firm object whereon to depend, being of little weight and continuously in motion, whatever thought occur to thee now, be it pious or impious, will wield great power. Therefore think not in thy mind of impious things, but recall any devotional exercises. Or, if thou wert unaccustomed to any such exercises, show forth pure affection and humble faith. Pray to the Compassionate One, or to thy tutelary deities, with full resolve, utter this prayer. Alas, while wandering alone, separated from loving friends, when the vacuous, reflected boy of mine own mental ideas dawneth upon me, may the Buddhas, vouchsafing their power of compassion, grant that there shall be no fear, awe, or terror in the bardo. When experiencing miseries, through the power of evil karma, may the tutelary deities dispel the miseries. When the thousand thunders of the sound of reality reverberate, may they all be sounds of the six syllables. When karma follows, without there being any protector, may the compassionate one protect me, I pray. When experiencing the sorrows of karmic propensities here, 
May the radiance of the happy clear light of Samadhi shine upon me. Earnest prayer in this form will be sure to guide thee along. Thou mayest rest assured that thou wilt not be deceived. Of great importance is this. Through that being recited, again recollection cometh, and recognition and liberation will be achieved. The Dawning of the Lights of the Six Lokas Instructions to the Officiant Yet, though this instruction be so oft repeated, if recognition be difficult because of the influence of evil karma, much benefit will come from repeating these settings face to face many times over. Once more, then, call the deceased by name and speak as follows. O nobly born, if thou hast been unable to apprehend the above, henceforth the body of the past life will become more and more dim and the body of the future life will become more and more clear. Saddened at this, thou wilt think, Oh, what misery I am undergoing. Now, whatever body I am to get, I shall go and seek it. So thinking, thou wilt be going hither and thither, ceaselessly and distractedly. Then there will shine upon thee the lights of the six sangsaric lokas, the light that place wherein thou art to be born through power of karma, will shine most prominently. O nobly born, listen. If thou desirest to know what those six lights are, there will shine upon thee a dull white light from the Deva world, a dull green light from the Asura world, a dull yellow light from the human world, a dull blue light from the brute world, a dull red light from the Preta world, and a smoke-colored light from the hell world. At that time, by the power of karma, thine own body will partake of the color of the light of the place wherein thou art to be born. O nobly born, the special art of these teachings is especially important at this moment. Whichever light shineth upon thee now, meditate upon it as being the compassionate one. From whatever place the light cometh, consider that place to be or to exist in the compassionate one. This is an exceedingly profound art. It will prevent birth. Or whosoever thy tutelary deity may be, meditate upon the form for much time, as being apparent yet non-existent in reality, like a form produced by a magician. That is called the pure illusory form. Then let the visualization of the tutelary deity melt away from the extremities, till nothing at all remaineth visible of it, and put thyself in the state of the clearness and the voidness, which thou canst not conceive as something, and abide in that state for a little while. Again, meditate upon the tutelary deity. Again, meditate upon the clear light. Do this alternately. Afterwards, allow thine own intellect also to melt away gradually, beginning from the extremities. Wherever the ether pervadeth, consciousness pervadeth. Wherever consciousness pervadeth, the Dharmakaya pervadeth. Abide tranquilly in the uncreated state of the Dharmakaya. In that state, birth will be obstructed and perfect enlightenment gained. Part 2 
the process of rebirth, the closing of the door of the womb. Instructions to the officiant. Again, if through great weakness in devotions and lack of familiarity, one be not able to understand, illusion may overcome one, and one will wander to the doors of wombs. The instruction for the closing of the womb doors becometh very important. Call the deceased by name, and say thus, O nobly born, if thou hast not understood the above at this moment, through the influence of karma, thou wilt have the impression that thou art either ascending or moving along on a level, or going downwards. Thereupon, meditate upon the compassionate one. Remember, then, as said above, gusts of wind and icy blasts, hailstorms and darkness, an impression of being pursued by many people will come upon thee. On fleeing from these hallucinations, those who are unendowed with meritorious karma will have the impression of fleeing into places of misery. Those who are endowed with meritorious karma will have the impression of arriving in places of happiness. Thereupon, O nobly born, in whatever continent or place thou art to be born, the signs of that birthplace will shine upon thee then. For this moment there are several vital profound teachings. Listen undistractedly. Even though thou hast not apprehended by the above settings face to face, here thou wilt, because even those who are very weak in devotions will recognize the signs. Therefore, listen. Instructions to the officiant. Now it is very important to employ the methods of closing the womb door. Wherefore, it is necessary to exercise the utmost care. There are two chief ways of closing. Preventing the being who would enter from entering, and closing the womb door which might be entered. Method of Preventing Entry into a Womb The instructions for preventing the being from entering are thus. O nobly born, whosoever may have been thy tutelary deity, tranquility meditate upon him, as upon the reflection of the moon in water, apparent yet non-existent as a moon, like a magically produced illusion. If thou hast no special tutelary, meditate either upon the compassionate Lord or upon me, and, with this in mind, meditate tranquilly, then causing the visualized form of the tutelary deity to melt away from the extremities, meditate without any thought forming upon the vacuous, clear light. This is a very profound art. In virtue of it, a womb is not entered. The first method of closing the womb door. In that manner, meditate. But even though this be found inadequate to prevent thee from entering into a womb, and if thou findest thyself ready to enter into one, then there is the profound teaching for closing the womb door. Listen thou unto it. When, at this time, alas, the Siddha Bardo is dawning upon oneself, holding in mind one single resolution, persist in joining up the chain of good karma. Close up the womb door and remember the opposition. This is a time when earnestness and pure love are necessary. Abandon jealousy and meditate upon the Guru, Father, Mother. Repeat this from thine own mouth, distinctly, 
and remember its meaning vividly and meditate upon it. The putting of this into practice is essential. The significance of the above teaching, when at this time the Siddha Bardo is dawning upon me or upon oneself, is that now thou art wandering in the Siddha Bardo. As a sign of this, if thou lookest into water or into mirrors, thou wilt see no reflection of thy face or body, nor doth thy body cast any shadow. Thou hast discarded now thy gross material body of flesh and blood. These are the indications that thou art wandering about in the Siddha Bardo. At this time thou must form without distraction one single resolve in thy mind. The forming of one single resolve is very important now. It is like directing the course of a horse by the use of the reins. Whatever thou desirest will come to pass. Think not upon evil actions which might turn the course of thy mind. Remember thy spiritual relationship with the reader of this bardo toro, or with any one from whom thou hast received teachings, initiation, or spiritual authorization for reading religious texts while in the human world, and persevere in going on with good acts. This is very essential. Be not distracted. The boundary line between going upwards or going downwards is here now. If thou givest way to indecision for even a second, thou wilt have to suffer misery for a long, long time. This is the moment. Hold fast to one single purpose. Persistently join up the chain of good acts. Thou hast come now to the time of closing the womb door. This is a time when earnestness and pure love are necessary which implieth that now the time hath come when, first of all, the womb door should be closed, there being five methods of closing. Bear this well at heart. The second method of closing the womb door. O nobly born, at this time thou wilt see visions of males and females in union. When thou seest them, remember to withhold thyself from going between them, regarding the father and mother as thy guru and the divine mother. Meditate upon them and bow down. Humbly exercise thy faith. Offer up mental worship with great fervency and resolve that thou wilt request of them religious guidance. By that resolution alone, the womb ought certainly to be closed. But if it is not closed even by that and thou findest thyself ready to enter into it, Meditate upon the divine guru, father, mother, as upon any tutelary deity, or upon the compassionate tutelary and shakti, and meditating upon them, worship them with mental offerings. Resolve earnestly that thou wilt request of them a boon. By this, the womb door ought to be closed. The third method of closing the womb door. Still, if it be not closed even by that, and thou findest thyself ready to enter the womb. The third method of repelling attachment and repulsion is hereby shown unto thee. There are four kinds of birth. Birth by egg, birth by womb, supernormal birth, and birth by heat and moisture. Amongst these four, birth by egg and birth by womb agree in character. As above said, the visions of males and females in union will appear. 
If at that time one entereth into the womb through the feelings of attachment and repulsion, one may be born either as a horse, a fowl, a dog, or a human being. If about to be born as a male, the feeling of itself being a male dawneth upon the knower, and a feeling of intense hatred towards the father and of jealousy and attraction towards the mother is begotten. If about to be born as a female, the feeling of itself being a female dawneth upon the knower, and a feeling of intense hatred towards the mother and of intense attraction and fondness towards the father is begotten. Through this secondary cause, when entering upon the path of either, just at the moment when the sperm and the ovum are about to unite, the knower experienceth the bliss of the simultaneously born state, during which state it fainteth away into unconsciousness. Afterwards it findeth itself encased in oval form, in the embryonic state, and upon emerging from the womb and opening its eyes it may find itself transformed into a young dog. Formerly it had been a human being, but now, if it have become a dog, it findeth itself undergoing sufferings in a dog's kennel, or perhaps as a young pig in a pigsty, or as an ant in an anthill, or as an insect, or a grub in a hole, or as a calf, or a kid, or a lamb, from which shape there is no immediate returning. Dumbness, stupidity, and miserable intellectual obscurity are suffered, and a variety of sufferings experienced. In like manner, one may wander into hell, or into the world of unhappy ghosts, or throughout the six lokas, and endure inconceivable miseries. Those who are voraciously inclined towards this sangsaric existence, or those who do not at heart fear it. O oh, dreadful, O oh, dreadful, alas! And those who have not received a guru's teachings will fall down into the precipitous depths of the sangsara in this manner and suffer interminably and unbearably. Rather than meet with a like fate, listen thou unto my words and bear these teachings of mine at heart. Reject the feelings of attraction or repulsion and remember one method of closing the womb door, which I am going to show thee. Close the womb door and remember the opposition. This is the time when great earnestness and pure love are necessary. As hath been said, abandon jealousy and meditate upon the Guru, Father Mother. As above explained, if to be born as a male, attraction towards the mother and repulsion towards the father, and if to be born a female, attraction towards the father and repulsion towards the mother, together with a feeling of jealousy for one or the other which ariseth will dawn upon thee. For that time there is a profound teaching. O nobly born, when the attraction and repulsion arise, meditate as follows. Alas, what a being of evil karma am I, that I have wandered into the sangsara hitherto hath been owing to attraction and repulsion. If I still go on feeling attraction and repulsion, then I shall wander in endless sangsara and suffer in the ocean of misery for a long, long time by sinking therein. Now I must not act through attraction and repulsion. Alas, for me, henceforth I will never act through attraction and repulsion. Meditating thus, Resolve firmly that thou wilt hold on to that resolution. It hath been said in the Tantras, 
the door of the womb will be closed up by that alone. O nobly born, be not distracted. Hold thy mind one-pointedly upon that resolution. The fourth method of closing the womb door. Again, even if that doth not close the womb, and one findeth oneself ready to enter the womb, then by means of the teaching called the untrue and the illusory, the womb should be closed. That is to be meditated as follows. O oh, the pear, the father and the mother, the black rain, the storm blasts, the clashing sounds, the terrifying apparitions, and all the phenomena are in their true nature illusions. However they may appear, no truth is there in them. All substances are unreal and false. Like dreams and like apparitions are they. They are non-permanent. They have no fixity. What advantage is there in being attached to them? What advantage is there in having fear and terror of them? It is the seeing of the non-existent as the existent. All these are hallucinations of one's own mind. The illusory mind itself doth not exist from eternity. Therefore, where should these external phenomena exist? I, by not having understood these things in that way hitherto, have held the non-existent to be the existent, the unreal to be the real, the illusory to be the actual, and have wandered into the sangsara so long. And even now, if I do not recognize them to be illusions, then, wandering in the sangsara for long ages, I shall be certain to fall into the morass of various miseries. Indeed, all these are like dreams, like hallucinations, like echoes, like the cities of the odor-eaters, like mirage, like mirrored forms, like phantasmagoria, like the moon seen in water, not real even for a moment. In truth, they are unreal, they are false. By holding one pointedly to that train of thought, the belief that they are real is dissipated, and that being impressed upon the inner continuity of consciousness, one turneth backwards. If the knowledge of the unreality be impressed deeply in that way, the womb door will be closed. The fifth method of closing the womb door. Still, even when this is done, if the holding phenomena as real remaineth undissolved, the womb door is not closed, and if one be ready to enter into the womb, thereupon one should close the womb door by meditating upon the clear light, this being the fifth method. The meditation is performed as follows. Lo, all substances are mine own mind, and this mind is vacuousness, is unborn and unceasing. Thus meditating, allow the mind to rest in the uncreated state. Like, for example, the pouring of water into water, the mind should be allowed its own easy mental posture, in its natural or unmodified condition, clear and vibrant. By maintaining this relaxed, uncreated state of mind, the womb doors of the four kinds of birth are sure to be closed. Meditate thus until the closing is successfully accomplished. Instructions to the Officiant Many very profound teachings for closing the womb door have been given above. It is impossible that they should not liberate people of the highest, the average, and the lowest intellectual capacity 
If it be asked why this should be so, it is because, firstly, the consciousness in the bardo, possessing supernormal power of perception of a limited kind, whatever is spoken to one, then is apprehended. Secondly, because, although formerly deaf or blind, here at this time all one's faculties are perfect, and one can hear whatever is addressed to one. Thirdly, being continually pursued by awe and terror, one thinketh, what is best? And, being alertly conscious, one is always coming to hear whatever may be told to one. Since the consciousness is without a prop, it immediately goeth to whatever place the mind directeth. Fourthly, it is easy to direct it. The memory is ninefold more lucid than before. Even though stupid before, at this time, by the workings of karma, the intellect becometh exceedingly clear and capable of meditating whatever is taught to it. Hence the answer is, it is because it, the knower, possesseth these virtues. That the performance of funeral rites should be efficacious is, likewise, because of that reason. Therefore, the perseverance in the reading of the great Bardo Total for forty-nine days is of the utmost importance. Even if not liberated at one setting face to face, one ought to be liberated at another. This is why so many different settings face to face are necessary. The Choosing of the Womb Door Instructions to the Officiant There are, nevertheless, many classes of those who, though reminded and instructed to direct their thoughts one-pointedly, are not liberated, owing to the great force of evil karmic obscurations and because of being unaccustomed to pious deeds, and of being much accustomed to impious deeds throughout the aeons. Therefore, if the womb door hath not been closed, ere this, a teaching also for the selection of a womb door is going to be given here and after. Now, invoking the aid of all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, repeat the refuge, and, once more calling the deceased by name thrice, speak as follows. O nobly born, listen. Although the above setting face-to-face -face teachings have been given one-pointedly, yet thou hast not understood them. Therefore, if the womb door hath not been closed, it is almost time to assume a body. Make thy selection of the womb according to this best teaching. Listen attentively and hold it in mind. The Premonitory Visions of the Place of Rebirth O nobly born, now the signs and characteristics of the place of birth will come. Recognize them. In observing the place of birth, choose the continent too. If to be born in the eastern continent of Lupa, a lake adorned with swans, male and female floating thereon, will be seen. Go not there. Recollect the revulsion against going there. If one goeth there, that continent, though endowed with bliss and ease, is one wherein religion doth not predominate. Therefore, enter not therein. If to be born in the southern continent of Jambu, grand, delightful mansions will be seen. Enter therein, if one is to enter. If to be born in the western continent of Balang Chod, a lake adorned with horses, male and female, grazing on its shores, will be seen. Go not even there, but return here. Although wealth and abundance are there, 
that being a land wherein religion doth not prevail, enter not there. If to be born in the northern continent of Damignan, a lake adorned with male and female cattle, grazing on its shores or trees round about it, will be seen. Although duration of life and merits are there, yet that continent, too, is one wherein religion doth not predominate. Therefore, enter not. These are the premonitory signs or visions of the taking rebirth in those continents. Recognize them. Enter not. If one is to be born as a deva, delightful temples or mansions built of various precious metals also will be seen. One may enter therein, so enter therein. If to be born as an asura, either a charming forest will be seen, or else circles of fire revolving in opposite directions. Recollect the revulsion, and do not enter therein by any means. If to be born amongst beasts, rock caverns and deep holes in the earth and mist will appear, enter not therein. If to be born amongst pretas, desolate treeless plains and shallow caverns, jungle glades and forest wastes will be seen. If one goeth there, taking birth as a preta, one will suffer various pangs of hunger and thirst. Recollect the revulsion, and do not go there by any means. Exert great energy not to enter therein. If to be born in hell, songs like wailings due to evil karma will be heard. One will be compelled to enter therein unresistingly. Lands of gloom, black houses and white houses, and black holes in the earth, and black roads along which one hath to go will appear. If one goeth there, one will enter into hell, and, suffering unbearable pains of heat and cold, one will be very long in getting out of it. Go not there into the midst of that. It hath been said, exert thine energy to the utmost. This is needed now. The Protection Against the Tormenting Furies O nobly born, although one liketh it not, nevertheless, being pursued from behind by karmic tormenting furies, one feeleth compelled involuntarily to go on, and with tormenting furies in the front, and life-cutters as a vanguard leading one, and darkness and karmic tornadoes, and noises and snow and rain and terrifying hailstorms, and whirlwinds of icy blasts occurring, there will arise the thought of fleeing from them. Thereupon, by going to seek refuge because of fear, one beholdeth the aforesaid visions of great mansions, rock caverns, earth caverns, jungles and lotus blossoms, which close on entering them, and one escapeth by hiding inside one of such places and fearing to come out therefrom, and thinking, to go out is not good now. And fearing to depart therefrom, one will feel greatly attracted to one's place of refuge, which is the womb. Fearful lest, by going out, the awe and terror of the bardo will meet one, and afraid to encounter them if one hid oneself within the place or womb chosen, one will thereby assume a very undesirable body and suffer various sufferings. That condition is an indication that evil spirits and rakshasas or demons are interfering with one. For this time there is a profound teaching. 
listen and heed it. At that time, when the tormenting furies will be in pursuit of thee, and when awe and terror will be occurring, instantaneously visualize either the Supreme Haruka, or Haya Griva, or Varha Pani, or any other tutelary deity if thou hast such, perfect of form, huge of body, of massive limbs, wrathful and terrifying in appearance, capable of reducing to dust all mischievous spirits. Visualize it instantaneously. The gift waves and the power of its grace will separate thee from the tormenting furies, and thou wilt obtain the power to select the womb door. This is the vital art of the very profound teaching. Therefore, bear it thoroughly well in mind. O nobly born, the Dhyani, or other deities are born of the power of samadhi, or meditation. Pritas, or unhappy spirits or shades, and malignant spirits of certain orders are those who, by changing their feeling or mental attitude, while in the intermediate state, assumed that very shape which they thereafter retained, and became pritas, evil spirits, and rakshasas. Possessed of the power of shape-shifting, all Pritas, who exist in space, who traverse the sky, and the 80,000 species of mischievous sprites, have become so by changing their feelings while in the mental body on the Bardo plane. At this time, if one can recollect the great simple teachings concerning the voidness, that will be best. If one be not trained in that, Train the mental powers into regarding all things as illusion or maya. Even if this be impossible, be not attracted by anything. By meditating upon the tutelary deity, the great compassionate one, Buddhahood, will be obtained in the Samboga Kaya. The alternative choosing, supernormal birth or womb birth. If, however, O nobly born, Thou hast, because of the influence of karma, to enter into a womb. The teaching for the selection of the womb door will be explained now. Listen. Do not enter into any sort of womb which may be come by. If compelled by tormenting furies to enter, meditate upon Hayagriva. Since thou now possesseth a slender supernormal power of foreknowledge, all the places of birth will be known to thee one after another. Choose accordingly. There are two alternatives, the transference of the consciousness principle to a pure Buddha realm, and the selection of the impure samsaric womb door to be accomplished as follows. Supernormal birth by transference to a paradise realm. In the first, the transference to a pure paradise the projection is directed by thinking or meditating thus. Alas, how sorrowful it is that I, during all the innumerable kalpas since illimitable, beginningless time until now, have been wandering in the quagmire of samsara. Oh, how painful that I have not been liberated into Buddhahood by knowing the consciousness to be the self hitherto ere this. Now doth this samsara disgust me, horrify me, sicken me, no hath the hour come to prepare to flee from it. I myself will so act as to be born in the happy western realm, 
at the feet of the Buddha Amitabha, miraculously from amidst a lotus blossom. Thinking thus, direct the resolution or wish earnestly to that realm, or likewise to any realm thou mayest desire, the preeminently happy realm, or the thickly formed realm, or the realm of those of long hair, or the illimitable vihara of the lotus radiance. In Urgian's presence, or direct thy wish to any realm which thou desirest most, in undistracted one-pointedness of mind. By doing so, birth will take place in that realm instantaneously. Or if thou desirest to go to the presence of Maitreya in the Tushita heavens, by directing an earnest wish in like manner and thinking, I will go to the presence of Maitreya in the Tushita heavens, for the hour hath struck for me here in the intermediate state. Birth will be obtained miraculously inside a lotus blossom in the presence of Maitreya. Boom birth, the return to the human world. If, however, such a supernormal birth be not possible, and one delighteth in entering a womb or hath to enter, there is a teaching for the selection of the womb door of impure samsara. Listen, looking with thy supernormal power of foresight over the continents, as above, choose that in which religion prevaileth and enter therein. If birth is to be obtained over a heap of impurities, a sensation that is sweet-smelling will attract one towards that impure mass, and birth will be obtained thereby. Whatsoever they, the wombs or visions, may appear to be, do not regard them as they are or seem, and by not being attracted or repelled, a good womb should be chosen. In this, too, since it is important to direct the wish, direct it thus. Ah, I ought to take birth as a universal emperor, or as a Brahmin, like a great sal tree, or as the son of an adept in Siddic powers, or in a spotless hierarchical line, or in the caste of a man who is filled with religious faith, and being born so, be endowed with great merit so as to be able to serve all sentient beings. Thinking thus, direct thy wish and enter into the womb. At the same time, emit thy gift waves of grace or goodwill upon the womb which thou art entering, transforming it thereby into a celestial mansion, and believing that the conquerors and their sons, or bodhisattvas, of the ten directions, and the tutelary deities, especially the great compassionate one, are conferring power thereon. Pray unto them, and enter the womb. In selecting the womb door thus, there is a possibility of error. Through the influence of karma, good wombs may appear bad and bad wombs may appear good. Such error is possible. At that time, too, the art of the teaching being important, thereupon do as follows. Even though a womb may appear good, do not be attracted. If it appear bad, have no repulsion towards it. To be free from repulsion and attraction, or from the wish to take or to avoid, to enter in the mood of complete impartiality, is the most profound of arts, excepting only for the few who have had some practical experience in psychical development. It is difficult to get rid of the remnants of the disease of evil propensities, Instructions to the Officiant 
Therefore, if unable to part with the attraction and repulsion, those of the least mentality and of evil karma will be liable to take refuge amongst brutes. The way to repel therefrom is to call the deceased by name again, thus, O nobly born, if thou art not able to rid thyself of attraction and repulsion, and know not the art of selecting the womb door, whichever of the above visions may appear, call up on the precious trinity and take refuge therein. Pray unto the great compassionate one. Walk with thy head erect. Know thyself in the bardo. Cast away all weakness and attraction towards thy sons and daughters or any relations left behind thee. They can be of no use to thee. Enter upon the white light path of the Davis, or upon the yellow light path of human beings. Enter into the great mansions of precious metals, and into the delightful gardens. Instructions to the officiant. Repeat that address to the deceased seven times over. Then there should be offered the invocation of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, the path of good wishes giving protection from fears in the bardo, the root words or verses of the bardo, and the rescuer or path of good wishes for saving from the ambuscades or dangerous narrow passageway of the bardo. These are to be read over thrice. The tadol, which liberateth the body aggregate, should also be read out. Then, the right which conferreth of itself liberation in virtue of propensity should be read too. The general conclusion. By the reading of these properly, those devotees or yogis who are advanced in understanding can make the best use of the transference at the moment of death. They need not traverse the intermediate state, but will depart by the great straight upward path Others who are a little less practiced in things spiritual, recognizing the clear light in the Chonyad Bardo at the moment of death, will go by the upward course. Those lower than these will be liberated, in accordance with their particular abilities and karmic connections. When one or other of the peaceful and wrathful deities dawneth upon them during the succeeding two weeks while in the Chonyad Bardo, there being several turning points, liberation should be obtained at one or other of them through recognizing. But those of very weak karmic connections, whose mass of obscuration is great because of evil actions, have to wander downwards and downwards to the Siddpa Bardo. Yet since there are, like the rungs of a ladder, many kinds of settings face to face or remindings, liberation should have been obtained at one or at another by recognizing, but those of the weakest karma connections, by not recognizing, fall under the influence of awe and terror. For them, there are various graded teachings for closing the womb door and for selecting the womb door, and at one or other of these, they should have apprehended the method of visualization and applied the illimitable virtues thereof for exalting one's own condition. Even the lowest of them, resembling the brute order, will have been able, in virtue of the application of the refuge, to turn from entering into misery, and, obtaining the great boon of a perfectly endowed and freed human body, will, in the next birth, meeting with a guru who is a virtuous friend, obtain the saving vows.
If this doctrine arrive while one is in the Siddha Bardo, it will be like the connecting up of good actions, resembling thus the placing of a trough in the break of a broken drain. Such is this teaching. Those of heavy evil karma cannot possibly fail to be liberated by hearing this doctrine and recognizing. If it be asked why, it is because at that time, all the peaceful and wrathful deities being present to receive one, and the Maras, and the interrupters likewise coming to receive one along with them. The mere hearing of this doctrine then turneth one's views, and liberation is obtained. For there is not flesh and blood body to depend upon, but a mental body which is easily affected. At whatever distance one may be wandering in the bardo, one heareth and cometh, for one possesseth the slender sense of supernormal perception and foreknowledge, and, recollecting and apprehending instantaneously, the mind is capable of being changed or influenced. Therefore is it the teaching of great use here. It is like the mechanism of a catapult. It is like the moving of a big wooden beam or log which a hundred men cannot carry, but which by being floated upon water can be towed wherever desired in a moment. It is like the controlling of a horse's mouth by means of a bridle. Therefore, going near the body of one who hath passed out of this life, if the body be there, impress this upon the spirit of the deceased vividly again and again, until blood and the yellowish water secretion begin to issue from the nostrils. At that time the corpse should not be disturbed. The rules to be observed for this impressing to be efficacious are, no animal should be slain on account of the deceased nor should relatives weep or make mournful wailings near the dead body. Let the family perform virtuous deeds as far as possible. In other ways, too, this great doctrine of the Bardo Toro, as well as any other religious texts, may be expounded to the dead or dying. If this doctrine be joined to the end of the guide, and recited along with the guide, it becometh very efficacious. In yet other ways, it should be recited as often as possible. The words and meanings should be committed to memory by every one, and when death is inevitable and the death symptoms are recognized, strength permitting, one should recite it oneself and reflect upon the meanings. If strength doth not permit it, then a friend should read the book and impress it vividly. There is no doubt as to its liberating. The doctrine is one which liberateth by being seen, without need of meditation or of sadhana. This profound teaching liberateth by being heard or by being seen. This profound teaching liberateth those of great evil karma through the secret pathway. One should not forget its meaning and the words, even though pursued by seven mastiffs. By this select teaching, one obtaineth Buddhahood at the moment of death. Were the Buddhas of the three times, the past, the present, and the future, to seek, they could not find any doctrine transcending this. Thus is completed the profound heart drops of the Bardo doctrine, called the Bardo Toro, which liberateth embodied beings. Here endeth the Tibetan Book of the Dead. The Appendix In our manuscript, but not in the block print, 
directly following the text of the Bardo Toro. There are 13 folios of rituals and prayers, or literally, paths of good wishes, which all professional readers of the Bardo Toro must know, usually from memory, and apply as needed, and they are here rendered into English as follows. 1. The Invocation of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas Instructions to the Officiant The invoking of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas for assistance when anyone is dying is thus. Offer up to the Trinity whatever actual offerings can be offered by the dying person or by his family, together with mentally created offerings, and, holding in the hand sweet-smelling incense, repeat with great fervency the following. O ye Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, abiding in the ten directions, endowed with great compassion, endowed with foreknowledge, endowed with the divine eye, endowed with love, affording protection to sentient beings, condescend through the power of your great compassion to come hither, condescend to accept these offerings actually laid out and mentally created. O ye compassionate ones, ye possess the wisdom of understanding, the love of compassion, the power of doing divine deeds and of protecting, in incomprehensible measure. Ye compassionate ones, this person is passing from this world to the world beyond. He is leaving this world. He is taking a great leap. No friends hath he. Misery is great. He is without defenders, without protectors, without forces and kinsmen. The light of this world hath set. He goeth to another place. He entereth thick darkness. He falleth down a steep precipice. He entereth into a jungle solitude. He is pursued by karmic forces. He goeth into the vast silence. He is borne away by the great ocean. He is wafted on the wind of karma. He goeth in the direction where stability existeth not. He is caught by the great conflict. He is obsessed by the great afflicting spirit. He is awed and terrified by the messengers of the Lord of Death. Existing karma putteth him into repeated existence. No strength hath he. He hath come upon a time when he hath to go alone. O ye compassionate ones, defend this person who is defenseless. Protect him who is unprotected. Be his forces and his kinsmen. Protect him from the great gloom of the bardo. Turn him from the red or storm wind of karma. Turn him from the great awe and terror of the lords of death. Save him from the long narrow passageway of the bardo. O ye compassionate ones, let not the force of your compassion be weak, but aid him. Let him not go into misery or the miserable states of existence. Forget not your ancient vows, and let not the force of your compassion be weak. O ye Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, let not the might of the method of your compassion be weak towards this one. Catch hold of him with the hook of your grace. Let not the sentient being fall under the power of evil karma. O ye Trinity, protect him from the miseries of the bardo. Saying this with great humility and faith, let thyself and all others present repeat it thrice. 2. The Path of Good Wishes for Saving from Dangerous Narrow Passageway of the Bardo The 
path of good wishes for saving from the dangerous narrow passageway of the bardo is as follows. 1. O ye conquerors and your sons abiding in the ten directions, O ye ocean-like congregation of the all-good conquerors, the peaceful and the wrathful, O ye gurus and devas, and ye dakinis, the faithful ones, hearken now out of your great love and compassions, obeisance, O ye assemblage of gurus and dakinis, out of your great love, lead us along the path. 2. When, through illusion, I and others are wandering in the sangsara along the bright light path of undistracted listening, reflection and meditation, may the gurus of the inspired line lead us, may the bands of mothers be our rear guard, may we be saved from the fearful narrow passageway of the bardo, may we be placed in the state of the perfect Buddhahood. 3. When, through violent anger, we are wandering in the sangsara, along the bright light path of the mirror-like wisdom. May the Bhagavan Varhasattva lead us. May the mother, Mamaki, be our rear guard. May we be saved from the fearful narrow passageway of the bardo. May we be placed in the state of the perfect Buddhahood. 4. When, through intense pride, we are wandering in the sangsara, along the bright light path of the wisdom of equality, may the Bhagavan Ratnasambhava lead us. May the mother, she of the Buddha eye, be our rear guard. May we be saved from the fearful narrow passageway of the bardo. May we be placed in the state of the perfect Buddhahood. 5. When, through great attachment, we are wandering in the sangsara, along the bright light path of the discriminating wisdom, may the Bhagavan Amitabha lead us. May the mother, she of white raiment, be our rear guard. May we be saved from the fearful narrow passageway of the bardo. May we be placed in the state of the perfect Buddhahood. 6. When, through intense jealousy, we are wandering in the sangsara, along the bright light path of the all-performing wisdom, may the Bhagavan Amogasiddhi lead us. May the mother, the faithful Tehra, be our rear guard. May we be saved from the fearful narrow passageway of the bardo. May we be placed in the state of the perfect Buddhahood. 7. When, through intense stupidity, we are wandering in the sangsara, along the bright light path of the wisdom of reality, may the Bhagavan Verokana lead us. May the mother of the great space be our rear guard. May we be saved from the fearful narrow passageway of the bardo. May we be placed in the state of the perfect Buddhahood. 8. When, through intense illusion, we are wandering in the sangsara, along the bright light path of the abandonment of hallucinatory fear, awe, and terror, may the Bhagavans of the Wrathful Ones lead us. May the bands of the Wrathful Goddesses rich in space be our rear guard. May we be saved from the fearful narrow passageway of the bardo. May we be placed in the state of the perfect Buddhahood. 9. When, through intense propensities, we are wandering in the sangsara, along the bright light path of the simultaneously born wisdom, may the knowledge holders lead us. May the bands of the mothers, the daikinis, be our rear guard. May we be saved from the fearful narrow passageway of the bardo. May we be placed in the state of the perfect Buddhahood. 10. 
May the ethereal elements not rise up as enemies. May it come that we shall see the realm of the Blue Buddha. May the watery elements not rise up as enemies. May it come that we shall see the realm of the White Buddha. May the earthy elements not rise up as enemies. May it come that we shall see the realm of the Yellow Buddha. May the fiery elements not rise up as enemies. May it come that we shall see the realm of the Red Buddha. May the airy elements not rise up as enemies. May it come that we shall see the realm of the Green Buddha. May the elements of the rainbow colors not rise up as enemies. May it come that all the realms of the Buddhas will be seen. May it come that all the sounds in the bardo will be known as one's own sounds. May it come that all the radiances will be known as one's own radiances. May it come that the Trikaya will be realized in the bardo. 3. Here beginneth the root verses of the six bardos. 1. O oh, now, when the birthplace bardo upon me is dawning, abandoning idleness, there being no idleness in a devotee's life, entering into the reality undistractedly, listening, reflecting, and meditating, carrying on to the path, knowledge of the true nature of appearances and of mind, may the trikaya be realized. Once that the human form hath been attained, may there be no time or opportunity in which to idle it or human life away. 2. Oh now when the dream bardo upon me is dawning, abandoning the inordinate corpse-like sleeping of the sleep of stupidity, may the consciousness undistractedly be kept in its natural state. Grasping the true nature of dreams, may I train myself in the clear light of miraculous transformation. Acting not like the brutes in slothfulness, may the blending of the practicing of the sleep state and actual or waking experience be highly valued by me. 3. O oh now, when the Diana Bardo upon me is dawning, abandoning the whole mass of distractions and illusions, may the mind be kept in the mood of endless, undistracted samadhi. May firmness both in the visualizing and in the perfected stages be obtained. At this time, when meditating one-pointedly, with all other actions put aside, may I not fall under the power of misleading, stupefying passions. 4. Oh now, when the bardo of the moment of death upon me is dawning, abandoning attraction and craving and weakness for all worldly things, may I be undistracted in the space of the bright, enlightening teachings. May I be able to transfuse myself into the heavenly space of the unborn. The hour hath come to part with this body composed of flesh and blood. May I know the body to be impermanent and illusory. 5. O oh now, when the bardo of the reality upon me is dawning, abandoning all awe, fear, and terror of all phenomena, may I recognize whatever appeareth as being mine own thought forms. May I know them to be apparitions in the intermediate state. It hath been said, There arriveth a time when the chief turning point is reached. Fear not the hands of the peaceful and wrathful, who are thine own thought forms. 6. O oh now, when the bardo of taking rebirth upon me is dawning, one-pointedly holding fast to a single wish, may I be able to continue the course of good deeds through repeated efforts, 
may the womb door be closed and the revulsion recollected. The hour hath come when energy and pure love are needed. May I cast off jealousy and meditate upon the Guru, the Father-Mother. 7. O procrastinating one, who thinketh not of the coming of death, devoting thyself to the useless doings in this life, improvident art thou in dissipating thy great opportunity. Mistaken, indeed, will thy purpose be now if thou returnest empty-handed from this life, since the holy Dharma is known to be thy true need. Wilt thou not devote thyself to the holy Dharma even now? Epilogue Thus say the great adepts in devotion, If the chosen teaching of the Guru be not born in mind, Wilt thou not, O Shishya, be acting even as a traitor to thyself? It is of great importance that these root words be known. 4. Here beginneth the path of good wishes, which protecteth from fear in the bardo. 1. When the cast of the dice of my life hath become exhausted, the relatives in this world avail me not. When I wander alone by myself in the bardo, O ye conquerors, peaceful and wrathful, exercising the power of your compassion, let it come that the gloom of ignorance be dispelled. 2. When wandering alone, parted from loving friends, when the shapes of mine empty thought forms dawn upon me here, may the Buddhas, exerting the power of their divine compassion, cause it to come that there be neither awe nor terror in the bardo. 3. When the bright radiances of the five wisdoms shine upon me now, let it come that I, neither awed nor terrified, may recognize them to be of myself. When the apparitions of the peaceful and wrathful forms are dawning upon me here, let it come that I, obtaining the assurance of fearlessness, may recognize the bardo. 4. When experiencing miseries because of the force of evil karma, let it come that the conquerors, the peaceful and wrathful, may dispel the miseries. When the self-existing sound of reality reverberates like a thousand thunders, let it come that they be transmuted into the sounds of the Mahayana doctrines. 5. When I am unprotected and karmic influences have to be followed here, I beseech the conquerors, the peaceful and the wrathful to protect me. When suffering miseries because of the karmic influence of propensities, let it come that the blissful samadhi of the clear light may dawn upon me. 6. When assuming supernormal rebirth in the Siddha Bardo, let it come that the perverting revelations of Mara occur not therein. When I arrive wheresoever I wish to, let it come that I experience not the illusory fright and awe from evil karma. 7. When the roarings of savage beasts are uttered, let it come that they be changed into the sacred sounds of the six syllables. When pursued by snow, rain, wind, and darkness, let it come that I see with the celestial eyes of bright wisdom. 8. Let it come that all sentient beings of the same harmonious order in the bardo, without jealousy towards one another, obtain birth on the higher planes. When destined to suffering from intense miseries of hunger and thirst, let it come that I experience not the pangs of hunger and thirst, heat and cold. 9. 
When I behold the future parents in union, let it come that I behold them as the divine pair, the conquerors, the peaceful and the wrathful father and mother. Obtaining the power of being born anywhere for the good of others, let it come that I obtain the perfect body adorned with the signs and the graces. 10. Obtaining for myself the body of a male, which is the better, let it come that I liberate all who see or hear me, allowing not the evil karma to follow me. Let it come that whatever merits be mine, follow me and be multiplied. 11. Wherever I be born, there and then, let it come that I meet the conquerors, the peaceful and the wrathful deities, being able to walk and to talk as soon as I am born. Let it come that I obtain the non-forgetting intellect and remember my past life or lives. 12. In all the various lores, great, small, and intermediate, let it come that I be able to obtain mastery merely upon hearing, reflecting, and seeing. In whatever place I be born, let it be auspicious. Let it come that all sentient beings be endowed with happiness. 13. Ye conquerors, peaceful and wrathful, in likeness to your bodies, number of your followers, duration of your life period, limit of your realms, and in likeness to the goodness of your divine name, let it come that I and others equal your very selves in all these. 14. By the divine grace of the innumerable, all good, peaceful, and wrathful ones, and by the gift waves of the holy, pure reality, and by the gift waves of the one-pointed devotion of the mystic devotees, let it come that whatsoever be wished for be fulfilled here and now. The path of good wishes, affording protection from fears in the bardo, is finished. 5. The Colophon The manuscript concludes with the following seven verses by the Lama or scribe who compiled it, but he, faithful to the old Lamaic teaching that the human personality should be self-abased and the scriptures alone exalted before the gaze of the sentient creatures, has not recorded his name. Through the perfectly pure intention of mine, in the making of this, through the root of the merits thereof, may those protectorless, sentient beings, mothers, be placed in the state of the Buddha, let the radiant glory of auspiciousness come to illuminate the world. Let this book be auspicious. Let virtue and goodness be perfected in every way. Here endeth the manuscript of the Bardo Toro.